Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the 30th of November, and we're back in black. Like ACDC. Also, we're in studio. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your hosting duo. That's Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. We have a fun show planned today. I got a little hang down issue over here, but I'm trying to resolve it here. <laughs> all right. Uh, all with right. the Hartford Whalers? Uh, yeah, I'm the king of the Connecticut. I'm also the captain uh, now. So uh, <laughs> it's a fitting. Uh, How long have you had that? Aware. I just got I was just gifted with it recently. And, it's pretty uh, cool, I got to say. It's a nice Brendan Shanahan. Uh, what's the back of the. What's it say in the back? Shanahan. Yeah, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Remember, yeah, who can forget that one glorious year he had in Hartford, Luke, right? Uh, me, because I don't even know who the fuck that is. All right. Uh, hi, everyone. We got a lot to get to, get to today. We have the, we're going to get, uh, let's see, do a bit of a preview for UFC Orlando. There are some, well, there's one, I'm going to say semi-decent boxing fight this weekend. That's the Chocolatito fight. By semi-decent, you mean great? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's great. Historic. I think it's semi, I think it's good. How about that? I'll say good, not great. And then there's a Tyson Fury fight, which is just, just a total waste of everyone's time. Although, Daniel Dubois on the undercard, which is pretty good. Daniel Dubois, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're going to get to, let's see, your fan subs. Plus, we are going to crown the hammer of the month here today in studio. So if you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up, hit subscribe. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a nice review. BC, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, we're back in the studio where we belong. There is an alternate universe, Luke, in which we both live within, you know, walking distance of this place one day, and we come in here on the daily. We tear the shit up. And the rest of our rivals in the game, when that inevitably happens, they'll know what time it is. But for now, still open season. We'll, we'll compete. We'll win the awards, but we'll compete. Once that happens, though, that's like John Jones winning the heavyweight title. Be game over. Right. How many quaaludes are coursing through your system? <laughs> All of them? <laughs> no, but I'm um, excited to be back at it. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's the holiday season, right? Yes. So you know, whoop de doop and dickery dock, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't even know what. I don't even know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a new bit I've been working on. It's called life. How was your travel in today? Uh, it was great. It was great. You know, I went over the old Tap and Z. They don't call it that anymore, though. Hmm? What's that? The, the Gu Governor Cuomo Bridge. The Tap and Why do they call it the Tap and Z? It was what, it, what the bridge was called, okay? Then they changed the name to Cuomo, and then he touched that girl. 
Trust a lot of girls have probably turned out. Um, well, we had a big fight before the show, huh? You want to tell the folks about that? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm still standing, you know. It's over. We solved it. I mean, right? we're grown. We're grown adults. I mean, I took the L, I guess, but I mean, it's I, not I, about that. It's not about. I it's said not, I was. It's sorry. not about taking the L. It's about taking the collective W. But you were up. You were a little up in your feels. A little. You were a little. Up I was uh, very angry at you. Yeah, but we're all right now. We're good. I'm good. Are you good? I think 311 said it best with their song title, Misdirected Hostility. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's it at all. Um, by the way, we were talking about this before, the Rougarou tweet. We talked about on Monday, um, Regis Prograde. Yeah, so big win. He wins a vacant title. He stops. WBO 140-pound uh, Jose Zapata, but that was this independent pay-per-view. It's like, who the Marv heck's Nation. Who the heck's paying for it? Turns out nobody. If you haven't seen his tweet, he cashed the, the fight check in L.A. on Friday, whenever the fight was, and then he said today that the bank called to say the check had bounced. Uh-oh. Remember when Errol Spence said not all good money is good money? Remember that? We may find that out December 10th. We'll see what happens. We shall find that out December 10th. Okay, BC. Although, for Terrence Crawford's sake, December 10th, he claims that he got paid $5 million up front. It's already in his bank? the second $5 million will come there before the fight. So he'll be paid in full before that even happens. That's some Eric B. and Rakim level shit. Right we shall there. see. Oh, we yeah. shall see. All right, a reminder, Showtime.com is the label that pays. If you want, you can get a free trial. You go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day little test-out period. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Up to you. Uh, as well as the store. We can't get the Hartford Whalers on there or just plain black not, clothing. Not yet. Not yet. I, I have to say, I have to say, how about this idea? We need an MK hockey jersey. Okay, I never would have said that because I've always been, so I've always loved hockey. I used to play roller hockey, uh, like, and no one can doubt going to a game or being forced to watch the NHL that's on someone's couch, you're going to have a great time. But I thought wearing a jersey in public, a hockey jersey as a grown man, as an adult, was lame as balls. Yeah. Until I put Shanny on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Old number 94. And now, you know, now the idea of an MK hockey jersey, which will be bought by the majority of our, like, the wherever that, that street corner is connecting, um, Jan 6 with uh, ju uh, the Juggalos. Wherever that intersection is, MK. that's where the MK hockey jersey will be worn. There's no question. I got to say, it. I like it. My wife has a red Ovechkin Ooh. jersey. Oh, Hold shit. on, ready? The name Ovechkin is written in Russian. Oh, wow. And, and he signed it. How about that? Almost at 800 goals. you think goals. it's written in Russian. That could say Kadyrov, and you're just like, <laughs> It's blind. true. It could say Kadyrov. Like Dominus MMA, you've just been blindly deceived. You know? Yes, uh, I suppose that is possible. But uh, we think it says Ovechkin, and it is. We know for a fact it's signed by him because my buddy was a scout for the team. So Ovechkin really is really going to – he won't catch Gretzky, though. He's right? probably going to catch Gretzky, yeah. That, so that, isn't that the uncatchable? I mean, maybe maybe the reality is that Gretzky's assist and point totals are the un, are the true uncatchables be right, because yeah. he's got more assists than anyone else. Also, Ovechkin has more points, goals basically. than any other player ever for a single team. Okay. I think Gretzky has more assists than anyone else has points. I think that's true. That might be true. Uh, but, but I think But that's pretty crazy him. if he yeah. takes the – how old is he? Ovechkin's old. Ovechkin's like 35-ish, something like no, that. No, he's got to be like 40, right? Uh, let's see. How old is Alex Ovechkin? I will tell you. Alex Ovechkin is, according to Wikipedia, 37. 37. Okay. Just, so, turn, just turned 37. So he has – he's got a – he has a real shot at this. Damn. Pretty good. But the, the long story, short there, is we need an MK – uh, RJ Dunkel Bukaki, we need an MK jersey, do we not? With what? With what? That rising anus legal? I, I don't know about the rising anus, but um, some, the Hartford Whalers one, I gotta say, is pretty fucking cool. I yeah, like that yeah. one. And how about the, the the song that they had, Brass Bonanza, that you'd always hear on NHL '94 on Sega? That 
You know that one that like mm. fuck with the horns going, you know? Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't know. I don't I don't know Connecticut lore. Nobody does. You know that one, right? Come on. I don't. NHL ninety four. Thank you, Long Island Luke. Yes. Long Island Luke giving me his video game opinions in my ear. You know I don't care. You don't you didn't play NHL ninety four tournaments as recently as like four years ago, like most of us have? I don't think I did. Dude, Roenick is unbelievable in that game. I've, I've He's heard. like Bo I've Jackson heard. on steroids. I've heard. On steroids. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. Um, All right, BC, as a reminder as well, we don't have it in front of us, but our next partner is a product that we use basically every day. Every single day. Uh, We take AG1 because we want better gut health, more energy, and we don't like taking just an ass load of pills and vitamins, do we? Uh, You know, ESD, brother, every single day. That's what I do with the AG1 because I'm not looking for something that's going to taste like it's going to make me feel good. But I do want something clean, tropical, that just makes me feel all right. All I do is take eight ounces of water, mix in one scoop of the magic green powder. And Luke, I'm talking about like um, minerals, vitamins, all that stuff that I'm missing. I could start my day by getting a headwind, by, by, get, by grabbing the Cliff's Notes. That's right. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods. Super I always mess that up. Probiotics and adaptogens. To start your day right, BC. Yeah, and here's the thing. It's lifestyle friendly. So I don't care if you got a keto thing, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. Maybe you, uh, you know, maybe you like feet. <laughs> if you like feet, you're a gross POF. <laughs> well, either way, though, we'll welcome you with uh, no nasty chemicals, GMOs, you know, less than one gram of sugar. How about that? While still tasting good. And I know what you're saying, BC. It's one thing for you to tell me with your disgusting ass how good it is. Could 7,000 people really be wrong who have written five-star reviews about AG1 on on Google? Could Tim Ferriss be wrong? How about that other guy? I think we need to have a meeting over what the word verbatim means. (laughs) Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season, everybody. Just one scoop and a cup of your water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you, the viewer, the day one P1 right here. How about you get P1 with the AG1 and you'll get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D drops and the five free travel packs, which are so clutch on the road. Believe us with your first purchase by going to athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Again, athleticgreens, that's plural, dot com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, let's get started here if we can. Topic number one. We start, as we customarily do, with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. They have a card again this weekend. And BC, good news, it is not in the Apex. It's going to be in Orlando, Florida. I believe at the Amway Center. I think that's where, no, that was Tampa. Tampa was where uh, Jake Paul fought. Uh, yes. Know, yes. But not, not there. Uh, in any case, it's going to be in Orlando. And the card is going to be headlined by Stephen Thompson, old wonder boy, I think 39 years of age. Taking on Kevin Holland, who retired and unretired. It is, of course, at 170 pounds, which is a better weight class for Holland. BC, as it stands, Kevin Holland sits at a slight favorite. Minus 155 to Stephen Thompson's plus 135. Your overall sense of this matchup, do you like it? Do you like it as a headliner? How do you feel about this fight in the way it's been booked and presented? Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I love the matchup from the perspective of the names, the personalities, the styles that you bring in here. I certainly love when you look at this odds and realize it's you know, close enough to a veritable pick although Holland, you know, with more, let's say, juice left in the tank potentially comes in as your slight favorite. But really, it's the ultimate coming or going fight for Wonderboy Thompson 
we thought it seemed of late, like that last run was snuffed out. That that are we in celebrity name mode? Well, he can kick that down by beating a guy who is as hungry in game as Kevin Holland right now and remaining in that overall picture. But for Holland on the flip side, this is the type of name that you have to be to, you know, look, he, he came out strong in the pandemic. He was one of those early heroes, had some ups and downs, some highs and lows since then. But Kevin Holland puts a name like Wonder Boy on his resume. We'll know which direction he's headed back into business toward that overall title picture, despite the recent very humbling loss to Hamza Chemaev. Look, I love uh, what it offers both in this point. But what does it offer matchup-wise, technically, style-wise? That's where it's even well, more interesting than just their personalities. Pop quiz, because this is surprising to me. I didn't realize this because I just, I just hadn't checked. Pop quiz, where in the rankings, we're not saying we agree with it, but just as it exists, where is Thompson ranked in the— I would guess uh, ninth. Ninth. How about six? Wow. That seems a little high. Yes, it seems a little high. Kevin Holland is unranked. Now, his situation has been all over the place because he switched divisions and he did have some nice wins. But then he had that weird Hamzat fight that kind of came out of nowhere where he got steamrolled. And what does it all mean? Okay, fair enough. I understand him not necessarily being ranked at this point. Boy, how often do you see outside of some kind of crazy scenario, number six in the division versus an unranked guy? That is highly, highly, highly unusual. By itself, it just rarely ever happens. So one, I just want to point out, this is a weird one. Second of all, what I would say is the last two guys that Wonder Boy fought, I believe this is right. Let me double check this. He obviously did beat Jeff Neal, which was a nice win for him. But since then, he's had a bit of an issue, right? So he has back-to-back -back losses to Gilbert Burns and Bilal Muhammad, both of which those guys kind of wrestled him into oblivion yep. to get the job done. There was a little bit of striking involved, certainly in the Gilbert Burns fight, but you know, mostly they won by virtue of their superior ground ability. Kevin Holland doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. In fact, if you look at the last two wins that Wonderboy has, one is Jeff Neal, the other is Vicente Luque, two strikers. So BC, he has now he also has the losses to Till and Pettis before that, so it doesn't quite ring out the same way. But in his last four fights, he's got two wins over two strikers. He's got two losses over two grapplers. Is it simple enough to say, hey, he's got another striker here in Kevin Holland. This should be a very winnable fight for him, irrespective of the odds. Yeah, I guess you can simply say that because the whole idea of coming or going and what this means is true in this case for Thompson. A third loss would be th three losses in a row. Excuse me, would be that tell you at this age the exact direction of where he's going and whether he's got one or two left after that or maybe that's the end of it. That's where we're at right now for Stephen Thompson. The two recent clean decision losses have showed us that. This does make more sense style-wise for both of them. Both have the potential to kind of pull themselves out of their recent lot in terms of losses and make a run at it. But, Luke, who do you think has the edge stylistically in so, this one when you know it's not going to be ground-heavy, maybe unless Holland decides to try to bring it there, which isn't his strongest suit? No, he could do that at certain parts he does have a black belt and by the way everyone's like oh well how good is his black belt well the guy who gave it to him is travis looter and travis looter's black belt is very legit so you can make a judgment call for yourself i would say it's probably quite legit that he has that he just doesn't use it in a very you know forward way to lead his offense a couple things stand out to me about this fight bc we talked about how kevin holland didn't i don't we just don't think middleweight was really his best place but he does have something of a middleweight frame in certain ways. He has a, let's see, an 81 reach to a 75 inch reach advantage over Thompson. Pretty significant, six inch reach advantage, that's, that's rather large. That's the first thing I'd say. Obviously he's much younger and has much fewer miles on him. But the interesting part beyond that dude is their numbers are very similar, except yeah. for one thing. Strikes landed per minute, 3.9. 
for Wonderboy, 3.85 for Kevin Holland, nearly identical. How about strikes absorbed per minute, 2.81, a little bit higher than the 2.38 for Kevin Holland, but again, very, very close. How about striking defense, 56% for uh, Wonderboy, 55% for Kevin Holland. Here's a little bit of the difference. Striking accuracy, 43% for Thompson, which is low, to the 54% for Kevin Holland. I think two things make a bit of a difference. I think, one, he's more accurate, and two, BC, he does have a long reach. Three, and this, to me, I think the one that brings it all together, he is much more dominant of a puncher in terms of power. For sure, for sure. And and I don't know, I, I like this experiment at welterweight for Kevin Holland. I feel like overall this is the right direction, and and it's produced those two victories that you talked about. That I mean, the Hamzat loss, you know, under any circumstance he may lose that. He may lose that one-sided. I mean, is Hamzat really that good, and is there that much a difference between the two? There appeared to be in that fight, correct? Mm-hmm. But shouldn't Holland beat this version of Wonderboy if he's meant to climb into the rankings and start climbing and get into p- position in welterweight and take on the big names? He should beat him. Can he beat him if it's a, if it's on the feet the whole time? The numbers show you it's in play for this. He's probably the bigger striker. When is it gonna 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 end for 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 Wonder Boy? I guess is the 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 hidden question within this to be able to use that quickness, that swiftness, that karate style, which is is that a style that ages well? We didn't think it would, but yet look at him. He's here right now. He has been defeated soundly though in two straight fights. If this plays out the way we expect it to, this should be a Holland win here. I don't know what 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 uh, Wonder Boy's going to do to try to sort of desperately need to try to turn this around and get back into the rankings. Well, I tell you one thing that probably does work in Wonder Boy's favor to this point is like the style shouldn't age well. Remember, he was beating Anthony Pettis real badly before Pettis kind of pulled sure. out of Hail Mary, so it could have been three wins in a row, which would change. Or I think that's in a row. I have to go back and look exactly who he fought in what order. I could tell you right now. Uh, yes, it would be three in a row because after that it was Luke and Neil. But what I was going to say was, here's the thing. Wonderboy can be beaten on the feet. Uh, anybody can. But what a lot of guys do is they make the mistake to try and duel with him in space. And you saw that, like, Tyron Woodley, for example, didn't really do that. Either he would be the one backing up yeah. or he would be the one getting Wonderboy to back up. And when Wonderboy's movement is limited, which, of course, is much easier said than done, but when you make that a, a central part of your game plan, he's much easier to beat. He relies on having a lot of space laterally and then behind and forward too, but behind him to move. My point being is, BC, Kevin Holland is slightly favored to win this. You've seen some of the things between the reach and the power that make a make you think he sh- that that's right. But in Wonder Boy's defense a little bit, Wonder Boy you know is going to stick to a hardcore game plan. I don't know if Kevin Holland will. The Kevin Holland experience tells us <laughs> sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't have to, like in the Jacare fight, that was weird. But sometimes he kind of needs to and maybe doesn't. I wonder how that's going to play out here as well. Yeah, yeah, he's going to have to step up that game and in, in that that IQ and that adaptability and all that because ultimately this will probably be on a, a fight on the feet in which Thompson tries to set those traps and Holland's going to need to do that. But I, this goes back to what your question about the rankings and how weird this is. The reality is that, I mean, Holland shouldn't have been penalized for that loss to Jemayev from a ranking standpoint. He had beaten two credible welterweights on his move back down to the division before that. Shouldn't he be ranked 10th, 11th right now? Or Wonderboy maybe he's ranked 13th or 14th? I mean, it's kind of interesting him coming off of two defeats is still in this spot. But the crossroads element of this fight is true. If Holland's meant to do things 
moving forward, he's got to get past this version of Wonder Boy. So that's what I'm looking to see. The onus here is on Kevin Holland in this new division. I won't count that hiccup against you, but now it's time to show us what you've got. And for him to legitimately make noise against this group, given the fact that this is a wrestling heavy division and they may, that may not be his ultimate strength, there is pressure on Holland to not be wild and to come out and, and really start to put it together. That is true. That is true. I don't really don't know what's going to happen here, uh, given the fact. I think the odds being as close as they are really kind of tells you that, like, yeah, Kevin Holland maybe should win. We don't really know if he's going to. By the way, of course, as we mentioned, it, this is all, I think it's also called the Amway Center, which is in Orlando, Florida. Um, having some fans there I think will be kind of interesting as well to see how that goes. They're going to be using the bigger octagon since they're in a bigger arena, right. not the apex octagon, which is a little bit smaller. And some say that there's no difference. Statistically, that might be true, but I think in individual matchups, especially when you got a guy like Wonder Boy who moves so much, I think it could make a difference. So this is a very, very closely contested one and a weird one, six versus unranked. You don't see that very often. That's a slightly bizarre one. Uh, BC, going down the card, our co-main. There's a lot of sneaky ones on here. Some very sneaky ones. So here's another sneaky one. Rafael Dos Anjos is back at 170. Right, because he had the win over who was it, uh, Moicano at 155 on short notice, but then he got blitzed by Fiziev in the fifth round. So now he went back to 170 again, and this time he takes on the surging Brian Barberena. I don't have. Let me look at the odds here. Uh, yes, I do have them. Yeah, Jesus, Dos Anjos is a huge favorite at minus 450. Excuse me, 540 to Barberena's plus. This is 420. an interesting fight. What makes it so interesting? Because it's so weird. You never would have thought these two would be together in a potential co-main event opportunity if it ends up playing out that way with, like, somewhat legitimate stakes, meaning did we ever expect Brian Barberina to be right here on a three-fight win streak looking like if you beat a former champion RDA who's still got a decent amount of gas left in that tank, uh, he'll be in a spot that I don't think any of us saw. You add in the fact that recently Barberina, known as a brawler, has, was openly contemplating retiring if the UFC didn't renew his contract, and he was almost like, I wasn't really sure they would. Well, they did. He's rifled off three in a row, but he's still that caveman brawler, walk you down, take your shots, and try to wear you down. Normally, that's a bad strategy to go against someone as sharp and as tough as RDA, but RDA is, what, 38, 39? I mean, he's pushing it at this point. We still know that he's got enough on any given night to give it to somebody. And, yeah, he should be the favorite in this regard. 38. But, but one of those nights, Luke, he's going to show up old. Barbarina makes this an interesting matchup because he's not going to go away or be deterred the first few times you light him up. RDA is going to have to go into that woodshed and earn it at this age. He should win this. But I like Brian Barbarina getting this sort of almost spotlight step up unlikely opportunity to show us that maybe he's more than a Mohawk brawler, Luke. You win, you get four four wins in a row, including one over a guy like RDA, who's still showing us, even in defeat of late, that he's still, man, he's still a tough, stubborn out, and Barbarina's not small for this weight class, Luke. This is an interesting matchup in that regard. Should RDA, RDA carve him up? Yes. But what if he doesn't? What if he finds himself in a war? The thing about Barbarina is there are those moments where you go, okay, he's not going to be able to take any more than that. He pushes through those moments on a routine basis, Luke, and ends up getting inside on you, and uh, that's when the fight gets interesting. Yeah, I mean, the numbers speak to this. We'll go over this more on Friday, but Barbarina takes a lot of damage. That's That much is not in dispute. And here's the big one, BC. Takedown accuracy for, for Barbarina, which wouldn't really matter. You wouldn't imagine he would go for takedowns on no. RDA, but it's 25%. Oof, that is low. Takedown defense, just 55%. Just 55. Now, you might say RDA has 59%, but look at who RDA has fought. 
everyone who has ever been a badass. That's who <laughs> right. fought, okay? Across two weight classes, not just one, two of them. Uh, so that is a little bit misleading. Uh, also, um, strikes landed per minute for Barbarina, 6.11, which is high. Strikes absorbed, 5. He has a positive differential, but my man gets hit. Also, I think there's a 4-inch height differential. And for a guy like RDA who can wrestle when you already have that low a stance, I think you're going to see a fair amount of wrestling in this one. Plus, it's three rounds, not five. You I'll bring up great points, and there's a lot of reason, almost six to one odds to like RDA, but that stoppage loss to Rafael Fazeev in a very big, important fight, a fight night main event that happened in the fifth round. There's no, like, I'm not overly scared by that. But he is 38 years old. He's just been stopped. And you go, okay, well, when's the last time RDA's been stopped on his feet? Outside of the title loss to uh, who, who stopped him? Alvarez, right? Eddie mm -hmm. Alvarez. Which we, and now we found out after the fact that RDA at that point was like risking his life cutting weight. Mm -hmm. He had been stopped once. Going, Jeremy Stevens going back to Jeremy Stevens in 2008. 2008. Mm -hmm. So that's how long that stretch is. So does it give you a pause that we just saw a clean knockout loss from him? It's just something to watch going in here against a certified hammer, a guy who's still raw, doesn't have the skill set or the experience on this level as an RDA. But you do wonder if that moment meant anything when, when he, we finally saw him get chopped down and even fight against Fazeev. Let me ask a weird question here. He moved back to Brazil. I know this because uh, I follow him. we follow each other on Instagram, and um, I don't know. He's been given like interesting interviews about like perspective on his career and yeah. everything. He is heavily favored to win this. <clears throat> BC, if he loses, right? And to your point, like maybe the physique thing showed us something that was there now. Well, well to, to that point, if he loses, it's going to be a bad loss, right? We're kind of a convinced. Terrible by this. loss. We're kind of, no, no, but not just in theory, but the way that it would happen. More likely than not, it would be like not a self-implosive one, but a one where he just, you know, his punch resistance met its goals, right, right? Right, right? So it's going to be a bad loss no matter what. Right. Does he retire? It's weird. A guy like this, you're just like, no, he's literally going to fight until they remove him. But that would be a humbling loss given the reputations of both, although they're coming together in this crossroads opportunity uh, because of the, you know, the recent knockout loss for RDA. But this would answer the question about, like, it'd be hard if you're RDA or, or look, any of these old hands. I mean, even Shogun in recent years when he was like a quasi-light heavyweight contender and he put together four and five fight win streaks against, you know, B, B minus guys. And you're like, damn, is if they feel they can still give people in the top 10 a problem, they're not going to go away until you make them. Well, if he went in there and got stopped by Barbarina in a war, that might be the wake up call to him that you're not that guy anymore. So now would be the time to take your sword and walk away. Probably not, though, Luke. What about Barbarina? Here was a guy who we thought may just leave the sport, leave the UFC. He got a new deal. Here he is, as you indicated, three-fight win streak. Now, against some aging names there, it's not exactly against guy. I mean, he has the win over Lawler, which, you know, wasn't a prime Lawler. I think it's pretty fair to say. He split got the decision. split yeah. over Matt, uh, Matt Brown. What would a win here signify? Because... That, legitimacy. I would think this would be his best win by far. Oh, by actually. far. He's he's literally fighting for legitimacy on Saturday. And I think that's what makes this fight interesting. Like, this guy literally thought he was going to retire. Like, he's like, look, you know, I didn't know if they were going to give me a new deal. And in, in, in his belief at that time, if I can't fight the best and fight against the best, I'm just going to give it up. But there is still an element of him when you watch his interviews where he's literally still fighting to feed his family and, and is kind of blessed and gifted with this opportunity at a new deal. And it's clear the company recognizes him as an action fun fighter. Who, But this gives him beyond just that. He may ultimately win it that way should RDA come out and find himself exposed and too old. 
But either way, a four-fight win streak, including one over a guy like RDA, look, he's fighting to be considered anything more than he is, which is wild, fun, mohawk brawler who gives, you know, who gives all and takes, is willing to go through hell every single time. No, this is a surprise move in that other direction, potential contendership. I mean, you know, it's it's a wake-up call to everybody else, and most likely him if he gets this. Again, not likely to do it, but at the very least, we're going to see action because if Brian Barberina is not going to walk down the old man and wear him out, he's going to get carved up trying to do so. So expect a good one here on Saturday. That's why I like those weird sort of cross crossroad matchups. Normally for a legend like RDA, former champion, you would be like, well, what does this fight have to offer him? But look, he's legitimately still trying to contend. Mm-hmm. It's different than a 44-year-old Anderson Silva, right? So when you're still trying to contend, we never thought it would be Barbarina in this spot, but hey, let's give him his chance to put his head above water into you know, the real grounds here and find out what he's made of. Um, man, he, you know, you know what he's made of, Luke. Taking, taking one or two to 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 try to deliver one, and he's gonna have to. Just be. very well rounded. Like when we talk about battle tested, I mean, dude, nobody's like RDA. No, just, I mean, you know, in terms of guys who fought everyone, he might be the highest achiever of them. You know what I mean? Like there's guys like Jeremy Stevens who fought everyone, but they got a lot of losses. He has a lot of losses too. What is his record? Yeah, thirty-one and fourteen. It's because he fought a lot of hammers. But he also won a title. He won a, a UFC weight class title. That is very, very difficult to do. And by the way, I always talk about it. People forget he was this close to the Conor McGregor fight. They had a presser and everything. I still have the hotel Connor key. Connor dressed him down. Yeah. Remember that? I have the hotel key on my desk. Do you? Know? Yeah, yeah, with, the, with their two faces on it. I have the Mayweather-McGregor one. I have that one from the MGM. I still have that. I saw yes. it the other day, actually. All right, BC. Uh, sixth and seventh ranked flyweights, Mateus Nicolau is going to fight Matt Schnell. Again, 6th and 7th ranked, respectively. Nikolau, a heavy favorite at minus 380 to Schnell's plus 310. BC, Matt Schnell, as we know, uh, coming off... Well, he's had, a, I think, a pretty decent uh, run of late, although the Brandon Royville fight wasn't the greatest, although he had lost his mom around that time. But he had the fight of the year, basically, against Sumadarji. Nikolau, by contrast, comes into this contest in a slightly different position. He hasn't lost... Since uh, 2018, he has wins all in a row. The last three, Manel Kopp, Tim Elliott, and David Dvorak. What do you think, BC? Are the odds makers right? Yeah, this is where Nikolaus is going to try to show us I, to, if he is super legit. Five in a row, 11 of his last 12, Luke. So Nikolaus been that unheralded name in this division that we don't talk about with the title swapping hands constantly with the two, with, uh, you know, uh, Moreno and, and Figueredo. And Askarov was in that picture. Now he's gone. Kaikara France right in that picture. Well, let's see if Nikolaus belongs there. Luke, uh, based on the recent track records, I certainly get the sentiment here, the odds in, in in the win streak that he's on that he should be expected to do this, but Schnell's no easy out. He's mm. kind of like one of those perfect guys that, yeah, he juggles wins and losses, but every, I mean, I want to say short of the champ, short of the title, including the title, anybody can get anybody in this top 10 mm. in this division. 125 post Demetrius and post Cejudo saving, it has been wild, the wild west and fun. So from that regard, I think we can, like putting a heavyweight fight on a fight night co-main event randomly. Why does Chase Sherman know he show up? That same reason, putting a flyweight fight up high is starting to be that same thing right now. Nikolaou, has he screamed to me that he's that dude? Not yet, but it's going to be hard to deny him if he gets to the sixth straight victory right now. Also, what I would say is I think they put this fight in front of a crowd for a reason. Schnell delivers action. Yeah. Win or lose. That dude delivers. I think he's not on a card... Uh, the I mean, I think he's probably fought at the Apex. I don't have his record directly in front of me, but it makes sense to put a fight like this. People think, oh, it's a flyweight fight. Well, it is, and Nikolaus is entertaining as well. Schnell is, like, 
reliably entertaining every time, and I think that's probably a big reason why he's on this card as well. There's a bunch of those Tim Elliott guys in this weight class. So it's like any any given yeah, week, yeah, they yeah. can roll out of bed and decide that they they're choosing violence. Dude, we know. For example, like a small thing to consider, we know that these guys fight injured all the time. All Nicolau has to have is a slight little injury. And it could change the entire trajectory of this fight or vice versa. But you, has there been a point in Nikolaou's run of late where you felt like, oh, oh shit, here's a title contender? I haven't felt that The cop fight. Because cop had a, a, had a lot of hype coming over from Japan. And uh, it, I, I was surprised actually how well Nikolaou did. I kind of thought cop was going to win. And um, yeah, that one woke me up a little bit for sure. For sure. Now, here's the really interesting one, BC. Yeah, I got questions about And that, I but. can't believe the odds. Or maybe I can. Tai Tuivasa is back. Speaking of a crowd favorite. Dude, he's back in like six days' notice from that war with Ghana. I mean, what? Like, <laughs> I know. Who's booking this? This is Taking this- on Sergei Pavlovich. Now, Pavlovich is a very interesting guy, right? When he fought Overeem, dude, Overeem beat the fuck out of him. It wasn't even close. Then he goes on a win streak against some respectable names and then fights Derek Lewis. Some thought the fight was stopped too early. Maybe Derek Lewis is on a decline. We don't really know, but he got the win. And now we find ourselves here against a legitimate banger in Tai Tuivasa. He's a plus 180 underdog to the minus 210 Pavlovich BC. Makes sense of this. Uh, with odds wise, I think it actually does make sense because Tuivasa does have superhuman abilities, as he showed us against Gon in the fight we just assumed would be one sided. Why are we making this? Damn, he nearly flipped the the entire division upside down and really became like a heavyweight Arturo Gatti in the process. My question, though, is why get right back into the fire this quickly against this difficult of an opponent? Now, you can say, look, he's a gunslinger tied to Ivasa. That's what you do in the UFC. That's what the Cowboys do, man. Sometimes you get got, sometimes you get them, but you're always all about it. Look, it feels like this is too hard of a matchup too soon for Tuivasa, meaning uh, his opponent right here is seems to be on the verge of showing us for real or not because he's done some bad things to dudes that are right around that line. I, what does Tuivasa have to gain? Like, okay, he's got he's got to gain a, a chance to come back against a guy who's red hot and force himself back into contention. But true or false, did Tuivasa earn standing in this division by how he fought against Gan? That this is almost unnecessary to come back this quickly. Maybe again, that's just who he's going to be. He's here for a good time, not a long time, Michael Chandler style. That's what he's he's about that life. No one's questioning that. But should his handlers and team? Force him to be when maybe if taken a little bit longer of a break, that phone will ring again, and it's not Sergey Pavlovich. Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's not John Jones, but maybe it's somebody else. It, maybe it's Stipe needing wanting a big win on a comeback. Like what I'm, where I'm saying here mm-hmm. is he may have earned himself through goodwill and through just being a, a badass in that gone fight. Reasons not to even need this for contendership. I was shocked to see him back so soon. I'm shocked that the UFC didn't make him the main or co-main event just on name alone mm-hmm. from what he just did to Gon and what he's done previously as a fan favorite. But speak to me directly on my concerns about the matchmaking level for him and his team this quickly. I mean, he could have waited around and probably gotten anybody he wanted almost. Wouldn't you think that? So I think, again, having not spoken to them, I'm going to make a guess. And this is something that a lot of fighters have told me who were in similar-ish fights. Dan Hooker being one of them, which was, well, if you recall the fight with Gone, where was most of the damage? Most of the damage was to the body. Yes, of course. He did obviously rock. Oh, him. he took an incredible damage upstairs, too. He did. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm saying I'm not, I'm not, let me be very clear about this. I'm not justifying the logic as much as I am repeating it 
And what I think a lot of these guys say is when they get like badly leg kicked or hurt to the body real bad, even if there was a lot of head trauma that accompanied it, they kind of make it out to be, well, look at the totality of the targeting. It wasn't strictly about just to the head. I think he'd probably say something like that. I think I don't know, but I'm going to I've heard it numerous times from guys. That's the first thing I'd say. Secondly, let me throw a little curveball at you. Tai Tuivasa is ranked fourth. Sergei Pavlovich is ranked fifth. I think that probably has more to do with it. Plus, you mentioned well, the name. But why does that have more to do with it? He's going, I'm going to tell you. I'm going backwards. to tell you. I, I, fair enough. I'm going to tell you. It's all about what John Jones is doing to this division. Because John Jones is apparently, reportedly, 285 or bust. Not the weight, but the UFC event, which puts it around March, if my yeah. math is correct. Now, we don't know. Is he going to fight Stipe? Probably not. He's out. But Stipe is not just out for John. Stipe is out for everyone. His father just died. Quite tragic. He's not going to compete. So then it's like, well, is John going to fight Francis? We don't know. Is John going to fight Curtis Blades? We don't know. There is Cyril Gon sitting out there, but Ty just fought him. Literally, either up or down, the only fight from a ranking standpoint that makes sense for Ty to have us. Listen to what I said. The ranking standpoint is Sergei Pavlovich. I do agree with you that the timing on this is kind of surprising. Well, it's also high risk, low reward. You're, right. you're, you're like the third right. or fourth fight on a fight night card. Like, How much of this, let me, so let me pitch it to you. How much of this is Ty wanting to just get that W back? I think it's him just being like, I live for the moment. I live for now. I mean, the guy. that's what the guy does. He, he lets everybody spit in the shoe and, and drink. I mean, that's what he does at all times. He, he just rolls the dice and he's an absolute gaucho. You know, I try to call myself the last American gaucho, and you make fun of me. I thought that was Martin. Martin is the last, I mean, he might be the last actual Argentine cowboy running around that guy. Martin Bader, we love that guy. Uh, But the deal is this, Luke. I thought he secured standing that people would kill for, which is, you know, when you get up and you're either a heavyweight title contender or you're just a super large attraction. Luke, like, didn't, what what did the performance against Gon out of anything else show you? Well, one, that he's got this superpower that, that can literally work against anybody in the world on any given night. The fact that he can lure you into a war and he can take unspeakable damage and and put you in a dangerous spot. But what does that ultimately mean? That means you are guaranteed ratings bonanza, whether that is a fight night main event against anybody. He can almost take that role from Derek Lewis. Maybe that was a transaction that happened when he stopped Derek Lewis. Or that means put you in the co-main event on any pay-per-view. Like you're just perfect accompanying shoulder programming to mix with whatever else. So you come back against a guy with high ability and, and record, no name or fanfare, and we're doing it in the in-between portion of a UFC fight night card in Orlando? Like, do, like I'm just saying, like, like, whatever he would gain by this, you're saying, like, this is the best he could have done to, to stay busy in the rankings, which is take a step backwards and fight a guy who's ranked f- less than him. Wouldn't you just wait for the next come round when they're like, okay, we need a main event. Let's do tie against, uh, I don't know, Blades. I don't know. Like, I mean, like, wh- whoever you want to do. Like, I mean, does he really strike you? I'm not saying he's dumb. That's not what I'm saying. But does he strike you as particularly discerning about these matters? I think that he, him and his management team should be at that spot realizing what they have is a special drawing card that very few people have. And, oh, by the way, it's not going to last forever. If you're tied to Ivasta against guys who are that much skilled than you and for you to be able to compete against them, you got to go in there and go balls out. That's what he does. That's not going to last forever, Luke. But this is his peak sort of earning window within that regard. That's why I brought up, look, if you're not going to put John Jones in against Francis for the full title or against Cyril for the interim or Stipe now not happening, what's the next best object? Uh, you know, my my laptop that you're fucking smashing? Tai Tuivasa in a pay-per-view main event. I think Ty's brand is literally at that level. Yet if you go in 
two, three months. When, when was that fight? How, what's this turnaround? Three months? Uh, I will tell you. If you go in three or four months later, that was September, Luke. Yeah. So that was month nine. We're in month, what? 11? 11. About to be the end of it, but yeah. So on two, two months and a week's notice, you're taking on a guy, not even in the main or co-main, on an in-between fight night card, where if you lose... It's almost three months. So if you lose, doesn't that set you back? Or is your argument going to be, hey, BC, whatever he has accomplished by fighting that way against Gon, he can't lose that against Spivak. So why, or not Spivak, against Pavlovich. Mm -hmm. So why not take the payday and the opportunity anyway? I just feel like if you, they were a little bit more discerning about where their brand's actually at, this guy's, to me, automatic main event unless it's a pay-per-view co-main. Mm. It's interesting. I hadn't thought too much about him in that way, except to say I agree with you about his ability and certainly about how much. Because isn't that where the money's different? We always say when you get to the pay per view level, the money's different. And that's true. Like you get to the championship level, he didn't fight the money's the different. But isn't the money different when you are a regular main eventer as opposed to not being on the fight night level? That the money's got to be different there too, right? Um, I don't think the money's different except by contract seniority or. Uh, so getting a five-round main event doesn't automatically give you more money. I don't believe so. Uh, well, I guess it can depend. I think there are a couple of fighters, like Dustin Poirier might get something like that. But and again, it's not that this is not an unwinnable fight. The odds are close for a reason. But he may go back there two months and a week after a war. Now, hold on. It was, it was, war it was September 3rd. So you have the rest of that month, all of October, and then most okay. of November. So you're talking about three months. But still, hold on. He had to spar during that time. I mean, your brain's getting rattled a little bit. I agree with you. I'm I just saying, if you're going to come back that quickly on the turnaround, it better be worth it. Is this fight worth it? On paper, no, unless the money's better than I thought. He yeah. fought in January, so this is going to be his third fight this year, which is not a lot, but it's definitely active. Uh, it's certainly active. Like, look, you would turn around for John Jones in a heartbeat. You'd yes. probably turn around for Stipe. You'd probably turn around for Curtis anybody, Blades, even. Anybody that can elevate you, Pavlovich can't elevate him. He can't. So now you're going to do Yeah, it. that's the weird part, because if he gets a knockout, everyone's going to be like, oh, that's what Ty does. Who the fuck is Pavlovich? Even though Pavlovich is pretty... The other part, too, is, like, I think UFC might be trying to figure out how... How good is Pavlovich? Because he fought over him, and I, th I think that was his UFC debut. And he got, if you go watch the fight, you're like, dude, why is this guy in the UFC? Like, yeah. you can't even understand it. Like and then Sean Gannon, what are you doing here? Yeah, a little bit. Well, he's he's better built. Sean Gannon had a, bad, Sean Gannon was built like a guy who bags groceries, Bad let's be tit tats, too. Huh? He had bad tit tats. Sean Gannon had bad titty tats? Yeah, tattoo on titty. Remember he, he, he Wasn't that Brandon Lee Hinkle? Oh, you're saying I'm confusing Hinkle's shitty titty. You know, you know, I cannot. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, Sean Gannon in his one UFC fight had shitty titty tats. Let me see. I want to see Sean did. Gannon. Can we put him up on screen? Can you type in shitty titty tats into Google? Is that a thing? I want to see. I, I have forgotten how. Oh, you're right. He, he had the dragons. Yeah. Good Lord. I completely forgot about the dragons. Um, hey, could you put that? If you guys find the picture of him looking, <clears throat> I mean, just looking like me in BC after a weekend of drinking and donuts, uh, just the worst build ever. Just get him in a hockey jersey. He can sit right between us right here. Gaff, pull that, or uh, Gaff and uh, Manich back there. If you can get that, that photo, let us know. We'd love to show it to the audience. It's fucking hilarious. But um, the point being is Pavlovich is built. He's a big fucking dude. And he had nice wins. He was dusting people off. But it was like the Shamil Abdurakimovs of the world who are tough, right. but like, mm, and then he beat Derek Lewis, but Derek Lewis might be on the decline. Maybe the stoppage was a little bit early. And you're like, okay, how good is he? Here's the funny part. If he goes in there, and let's just say, let's just say, if Pavlovich goes in there and dusts Taito Ivasa, are you going to say, oh, it's because his brain didn't recover? He got, he got back in there too fast. Dude, Ty could win this fight but take too much damage in winning where I may say that afterwards. I think either way I'm going to exit this going – isn't that a bad choice by the UFC, too? 
Or am I overvaluing Ty's value on, on a... No, I think you're not. Think of how many in-between fight cards that the, the sort of casual bone in a lot of us is to look at it and go, oh, man, there, there ain't shit on that card. No, and more often than not, it ends up winning us over and there's some sneaky fights in between. But if I see Ty in a main or co-main, I'm going to like, dude, it doesn't matter who he's fighting. But he's not in that right now, coming off of his most insane performance today, you know, outside of the Derek Lewis win. So... Just, just a thought. I, I have questions. I, I'd be interested in hearing the reasoning. Well, the good news is that uh, UFC, among other promoters, have lobbied um, the uh, state to make sure that the fighter purses don't get released so we won't know yes. how much he got paid for this. So we don't release fighter purses or um, USADA violations, right? Uh, but that's a USADA issue, not a commission issue, I don't believe. I think they're all related. It could, in some states, they might be. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. I'm curious to see Kyle Dawkins back so soon after breaking his face. He's taking on Eric Anders, your boy. Yeah, well, that's going to probably be a war, right? I mean, they do that. They I think it'll that. be a war for as long as it lasts. I have a hard time seeing how that one goes three. What do you think about this featured prelim war that they're offering us? Which one is that? Nico Price at minus 140 at welterweight against Phil Rowe, plus 120. Nico, he comes to bang. I think needs, Nico's got like eight kids. My man hates condoms. He has five kids. He needs a win here. Now, he claims he gave up weed. Who hates condoms more, him or Herschel Walker? Oh, my God. <laughs> Antonio Cromartie would be the answer. Antonio Cromartie! Uh, um, dude, I like Nico Price. In fact, I try, I almost, we almost had him on the show today, Luke, and, I, and he comes to bang, but time is going to be running out if he doesn't. Well, did you hear why he was out? Win. He said he blew up his ACL. In 2018. And fought on it the whole time? Fought on it. So apparently he had, the way he had explained he it was. He smoking a lot of weed then. Right. So the way he had explained it was he had partially torn it before the fight, then really fucked it up during the fight, and in the subsequent years never got it fixed, then tore his MCL, then tore his LCL. The only thing that remained was the PCL. That's the four pieces. He finally had that repaired. He's been off for what, like 14 months, something like that. Uh, and so now he's back. Devastating puncher. Heavy hitter, crazy guy who just goes forward he's all the trying time. To, he's trying to harness the crazy, but against Michelle Pedeta and that decision loss, the crazy came back quick, Luke. It came back pretty quick by like round two. So. Uh, BC, how about this? Angela Hill is taking on one of my favorite fighters in Emily Ducati. Close fight, Angela Hill plus 100, Ducati at minus 120. Ducati had a great uh, UFC debut against Jessica Penny, I believe. Now, Hill in this fight is going to have 22 UFC fights, which will make her the most for a female fighter um, in UFC history. She is, and let's be fair, I mean, the women's game in the UFC is so short that we're sort of finally seeing that first generation start to go away. It's like any time another Claudia, Carolina go away, it's, you know, breaks my heart as the original 115 class. But in this case, Luke, Hill's been around long enough that if she ends up getting a Jim Miller, Matt Brown type, you know what I mean, victory tour on the way out here. There he is. Oh, my God. Can we go right to it? It's a little Jesus Christ. It's blown up. That's, that, that's what I see in my dreams when I see BC. That's scary. That's that's that. Yeah, that's a that's a shitty chest hat right there. Wow. Thank you guys for bringing that up in the back. Um, Luke, I will say this: if Hill gets her victory lap for for doing this, which is a great accomplishment, being the you know the most active female fighter in UFC history, that's great. But I like the matchmaking here against Emily Ducati, who's a minus one twenty favorite. Yep. Ha, looked good in the debut, coming over from um, Invicta. Correct. Mm -hmm. She fought in Bellator years ago as well. She's a very good boxer. Uh, but Hill only a plus 100 underdog here. He has not gone her way of late. Remember, there was two moments where Angela Hill started to, yes. to look like she was making some news. She had that stoppage, maybe against Whitmire, was it? The stoppage win where you're just like, oh, shit, okay. But uh, now 
She needs a win to stay relevant. Ducati needs a win to get ahead in this race. So I like this matchup a lot. But yeah, Hill is nearly nearly five hundred. She's fourteen and twelve overall. And she has, has tremendous abs for this fight. She's been flaunting them on Instagram, Luke. So. Yeah. Now she is coming off of a win over Lupita Godinez, but Lupi Godinez, I think, is well below Angela's level. Ducati does not appear to be well below her level. Um, Ducati should win this if the stocks are going in the direction we think. But Hill's still going to be I'll a say tough this. out over three. Hill, with the one weapon she retains. Is she just pushes the pace? Yeah. The volume is just torrential, so I think that could end up making a bit of a difference. Also, on this card, we see it's a pretty good card, actually. Oh, just real quick, she'd be break, she'll be set, she'll be breaking a tie with Jessica Andrade for the most fights, but Andrade is going to come back and break that. Yeah, still for twenty-two. Yeah, which uh, in the words of Brian Campbell, I started off the conversation this way. Probably with, with that Andrade mention. Yeah, oh, uh, didn't didn't mention Randa Marcos, who has eighteen, which is a lot as well. Nunez at seventeen. Uh, any thoughts about Clay Guida versus Hot Sauce Scott Holtzman? No. Not, not too much. Michael Johnson is back against Mark Giacchese, who has turned into something of a bit of a wrestler out of the UK. This is going to be interesting to me. Because Heavily favored, Giacchese. Is Giacchese going to stay the course when, when, when Michael Johnson's coming out here slinging left hands? Because nobody's ever been better. No one's ever been as spectacular for having a crappy record than Michael Johnson. I mean, the, that disparity is just wide. He's still, still quick, still hits hard, Luke. Yep. Uh, Tracy Cortez taking, uh, by the way, uh, this is a pick'em fight. Minus 110 fight. on both sides. Tracy Cortez taking on Amanda Hebos. Very good fight. So this is a BC special in a few weeks. I mean, you know, you don't, I don't want to call this super sloppy It's not special. super sloppy. It's a good fight. It's a good-ass fight in which they both, you know, Hebos coming down at the moment, trying to, to you know, clean up and get back and put together another run. But this would be the biggest win for Cortez's career, right, up to this mm -hmm. point, if she gets it. I mean, Hebos should handle her, but these odds are close. This is a big fight for both of them. Hebos, to your point, surged. She beat Paige Van Zandt. I forget the other one after that. She was looking good. But since then, it's been a bit of a return it's to... Been, yeah, and then she went up to 125 and yep. had, a, had, a, had a loss there as well. So um, she's going to need a win here. I like her chances on paper, but it's basically a pick em right here. I mean, look, Cortez can bring the fight to the ground, but if they trade evenly on the feet, I like Hebos here. Fair enough. Uh, also on this card, Marcelo Rojo out of Argentina. Uh, and then the last one, yes, uh, as my wife would say, Jasmine, because it's spelled with a Y, Juaragui taking on Estela Nunez. Uh, boy, Juaragui is a uh, is a talent. Is that a Colombian fighter? Uh, no, I think she's Mexican. I think she's Mexican. Um, oh, she looked great on, she a, looked real on, a, on a prelim, right? Yes, she made her UFC debut. Uh, and she wasn't quite as in command, I think, as we had thought she would be, but overall looked very good. And the overall record is obviously quite good. And yes. just, just on tape, dude. Wadagi looks like she could be uh, quite a handful. She's going to be opening up the card minus 315 on this motherfucker. So. No mention of Darren Elkins by you. You're over him? Darren Elkins taking on Jonathan Pierce. I mean, he's heavily underdog here. I don't. He makes batshit crazy fights, though. That's what he does. He welcomes your damage. The damage. There's actually a sign on his chest that welcomes it. Yeah. Would you get the Hartford Whalers tattoo on your chest? No, no. I mean, look, I, I went to Whalers games the last couple of years, but I, you know, even me wearing this, I wasn't like a Whalers diehard as a kid. You know, I was more of a Bruins fan. Uh, Are there whales off the coast of Connecticut? There were at, one, at some point. You know, Groton High School is the Whalers. And y'all just slaughtered and massacred them motherfuckers. The whales, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit of boxing <clears throat> if we can. That's what my people did, but what have your people done in Doha? Uh, I'm not Qatari. Or in New Delhi. I'm not Indian. Or in D.C. What have they been doing there for years, Luke? Crime. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke right. crack, got my job back. Yeah, uh, mayor for life, Marion Barry. Bitch set me up the whole time. I had hey, to explain we have more coffee, Big Lou? I had to explain Marion Barry to my uh, in-laws. Over Thanksgiving. 
Yeah. They're like, so they caught the old mayor smoking crack with a prostitute in a hotel room. You could just bring, yeah, if, yeah, well, however you want to do it. Just, just bring the whole Duncan thing. Uh, hey, did you know he watches racist soccer? What, he's a big Serie A fan? Serie A fan. Yeah. Loves, <laughs> loves the Italians. Just loves them. What's the score? 1-0. Well, how much time in the game? They're in the 95th minute. What? Oh, yeah, but, well, but they're still in the group stage, so it doesn't really matter, right? Like, France is already in. Yeah. Look, do you need more of this coffee as I'm as I'm re re-racking? Yeah, 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 yeah. As you re-rack your ball sack? I mean, that's that's the original re-racker, Lou. What right? would be more fun, re-racking your ball sack or watching Tyson Fury's next fight? I honestly don't know. I got, I got some things I actually want to talk about. All right, about so let's this. talk about that. We'll get into the weekend boxing preview. Topic number three here. Topic two, I guess. You're going to need a Splenda, aren't you? Yeah, probably. Uh, let's see. We've got a few things happening. We'll talk about the Juan Francisco Estrada against Chocolatito fight. But let's start with the one that's going to be an ESPN Plus. The card kicks off at 1 p.m. Eastern. Tyson Fury against Derek Chisora 3, who, let's see, beat him on the cards the first time. His corner stopped the fight in the second time. BC, why in the motherfuck is this fight happening? In theory... Did you put a splendor in there? Not yet. Okay. The biggest theory is this. Tyson Fury wants, apparently, according to people close to him that I talked to, all this stuff is smoke and mirrors. He wants to fight Usyk for the four belts. Usyk, we know Alexander Usyk is hurt and can't fight till at least uh, March. So for Tyson, at the end of the day, this is just to stay busy. This is just make a big, another big bank, a big event. And for some whatever reason, whenever Tyson Fury had talked about the remaining opponents available to him, that he wanted to fight, that he was willing to fight before retirement. Surprisingly, Derek Chisora's name would always come up in that. So I don't know if this is Tyson Fury liking Chisora as a bloke, Luke. They fought fight twice. Tyson got the better in both, as you mentioned. But it's largely unnecessary. It's still going to be somewhat of an event because it's Tyson Fury. You know what I'm saying? Like arguably the best heavyweight of this era, one of the best of all time, still unbeaten. And yes, we hope still going to fight for those four belts at some point next year. But in any Tyson Fury media cycle or buildup, which has been this ahead of this fight, you're always going to get something, Luke. I mean, remember ahead of the second Wilder fight, he was talking about how he masturbated seven times a day in training camp to prepare. I mean, there's always like something coming Fucking out of it. Jealous. Recently, it was constant retirement talk. The narrative now, whether he's talking to Carl Frampton on BT Sport, whether he's on the MMA Hour with Ariel, whether who he's talking with anybody. I was supposed to interview him the other day. It fell apart the last minute. But he probably would have told me the same thing. Have you noticed, Luke, what's been coming out of these Fury interviews? Some of it feels real, given his history of mental health challenges and, and the hunger that, with a fighter and the addiction of being a fighter. And some of it also feels like, what are we going to talk about this week outside of this fight, which is unnecessary? Is this just Tyson Fury giving us something to talk about? So the things in question, Luke, are in every interview, Fury is basically saying, I don't want to box anymore. That retirement stuff is real. I don't want, there's nothing for me to accomplish anymore. I've done it all. But I'm addicted to this game because... If I'm not training to fight or fighting or coming off of a training camp for a fight, I don't trust my mentals. I know I'm going to go back to where I was in the aftermath of the upset win over Vladimir Klitschko in 2015, which if you forgot ad nauseum a million times, an, an insane comeback story of three years into the hole of depression and weight gain and drug abuse and all that and suicidal thoughts to come all the way back and win back the championship. Luke Thomas, is any of this... Not only for real and how it could impact whether this third fight is is close or not, 
But if it's all taken at face value, are some of these early warning signs that maybe we and Team Tyson should pick up on where he's straight up telling you, I don't want to be in, in the ring on Saturday. I don't want to do this anymore. But if I don't, I'm going to lose control of this. This is the only thing I have left that that gives me purpose and gives me strength. He's straight up telling us, I don't want to be here, mm-hmm. but I have to and I know I do. Is that some type of secret selling point to try to get you to watch this fight? Or no, I take him at his word. I think it's what happened to BJ Penn. I mean, I don't know. I've not had a... But wait, wait, how do you take Tyson at his word when everything we've heard in the last six months, every other day was, I'm retiring today. Oh, tomorrow I'm fighting So the he mountain. could just be lying. I mean... He's, he's a professional salesman. We right, right. So that, to that point, then there's just really no way to know. However, however, some of the reasons why that could be true line up. It does make sense that he might be doing that. It does make sense that that could be a motivator here. It's really interesting. We haven't really talked about it very much, mostly because the candidacies are all quite sad. <clears throat> this weird pipeline where guys in combat sports stay in combat sports too long, and then they get out of it and they run for office. And I and I mean this quite sincerely. I think a big part of them running for office is a lot of delusion of grandeur. But also, like, they just need something to fucking do. Like, Tyson Fury is still capable of winning. So he doesn't have to go that more dramatic route of, uh, I'm going to go run for public office or some shit like that. But in the sense that it occupies him and it keeps him steady and it keeps him safe... Dude, I've had people who were like, you know, I'm not going to name who the fighter was, but I've had coaches tell me, like, they needed that fight yeah. just to stop drinking or something like that, just to get off uh, whatever terrible thing they were doing in their life. Like, that's a real that's a real thing. So he could be using that as a way to get people to watch this because if you're just trying to sell the fight on fight terms... On merit, it's not worth it. It's like, dude, yeah. Derek Chisora, who, by the way, I don't think is a I bad fight. Yeah, Chisora. I like Derek Chisora. I'm not saying shit about him. But the younger version yes. of Derek Chisora had nothing for Tyson Fury. Twice. Twice. There's like just no reason to think on boxing terms it would be any different. I don't know. To answer that question, it does worry me, but it would make sense. It would you know, make it's, sense. It's hard because, again, anybody else, you'd take them at their word here. Tyson Fury, I mean, look, you've, we've been through this. I've interviewed him. I had him hung, hang up on me. I, like You either get him when he's Did funny, he call goofy. you a sausage? Uh, no, but he called me. He may have called me a dosser, but the whole point is like, whatever in the moment he's feeling, he's going to say whether it's true or not. We've come to know that people still fall for that though and make headlines out of it constantly. But something about this felt felt real given his history. So I think that you got to take it seriously. But I do have concerns for him. I mean, look, if we're being honest on the outside looking in, when we have seen Fury come on camera, show up at fights, right? He showed up at the Usyk-Joshua rematch and was very slurring his speech on the camera afterwards. People were like, man, it looked like he's on drugs. Like, I wouldn't doubt if at some point in his larger inactivity over the last couple of years, coming back for the big wilder fights, but not being, you know, two, three times a year. I wonder, Luke, if he got a taste of the old lifestyle again and it did scare him. Like, I could lose control of this very quickly. So uh, is there merit to that idea that that he has to do this to hold this together? That might be true. But is that enough to get me to watch compromise him or, but you know, are you watching under the grossest terms? In fact, if he, you know, are we only watching to see if he gets caught to see if like his mentals are not in order and he gets caught into a war, So then it becomes kind of dark in a way, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, why would you watch this fight? Well, one, nothing else to do. That's one, two, you're a big Tyson Fury fan, which is fine. Well, if you're a boxing fan, you got to see what, yeah, the if you're a boxing fan, plus there's other fights in this card that are actually are not so bad. Um, and then three to the other point, like, does Tyson have some kind of issue that is a long-term concern that will have a short-term boxing ramification? I tend to think not in this case. Uh, not that he doesn't have the issue, but that it won't show up in right. a win or a loss. 
<clears throat> by the way, Tyson Fury minus, but this is boxing, so the odds are going to be different, but minus 2,500. Derek Chisora plus twelve hundred. I mean, you just got to be shitting me. So with if, this. if you don't know much about Chisora, I mean, he's a brawler. He's a you know nickname. It's is, not on pay per view though, right? It's just no. Um, it's it's actually on for at least for the states. It's yeah. just on the regular plus there. But like, I mean, Chisora's gonna try to get inside and make it a fight in a brawl. He's just you know slower and and always raw than he than he even was in in his prime. So I don't know, Luke. It, it, it I, I wish the best for Tyson. I want. Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk next year for all four belts, whether, you know, wherever. Saudi Arabia for a ton of money for both. Sure, let's do it. I hope we get there. There is that part of me, though, because of Fury's constant unpredictability that has me nervous. Even though some people I talk to, again, they're like, no, if the money's there, Tyson's taking this fight against Usyk. He'll be favored to win. We both think he would beat Usyk. That's mm-hmm. not the question here. It's the question is, on you know, at the right time, is Tyson in the right frame of mind where he actually wants this as a challenge because the Usyk fight would be a legitimate challenge. There's no other heavyweight like that in a lot of ways. So um, I want Tyson to want this four-belt fight, Luke. I want to get here, but some of this has me a little concerned. Some of this has me fearful that I'm getting caught up in it too to try to put a frame around it, and that's Tyson's job to sell it to me. I don't really know because, Luke, I mean, when Mike Tyson retired, we thought the same thing, man. What's this guy going to look like in five, ten years? You know, can he find something else that gives him that satisfaction? I think knowing Fury's history, that's always going to be in play. So I would like to see him begin to find some interest separate from this or, to his point, he will be that guy in his 40s who are still out there and we're going to have to try to remove. But maybe he'll be fighting nothing but YouTubers by then. Who knows? The reality is, can you – let's assume that Tyson Fury has the issues you're articulating – can he fight this way and win? Yes. Yeah. But is it a good idea to fight this way? No. 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 And you know, I don't. I don't. You know, love to to risk all of this. It's you know, again, it's different than. It's somewhat different than the argument for Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia take, both taking interim bouts. A lot of that is going to be used to build up in in if the attention for their inevitable pay per view, and they also don't have titles that they could lose that could make this not as big. Look, if Usyk and Fury fight, and it's not for all four belts we're going to feel like we missed something. So in that regard, you don't want to take that risk of Tyson taking this unnecessary, stay busy, but he should win. We'll watch it. We'll see what happens. We don't have to pay on pay-per-view for it, but give me Usyk Fury or give, or give me death, okay? Or give me liberty. Your choice, Luke. Give me something. I'll give you motherfucking liberty, bro. Um, uh, hey, but Dubois- talk to me about this uh, co-main. Yeah. Daniel Dubois, who if you watched any, I think the first, I think it was the first Jake Paul card, with uh, Tyron Woodley, Dubois fought on that course. Yes, yes. Uh, he's great. Now, let me tell you about him. He's not going to say a whole lot. He's not going to razzle-dazzle you with the interviews, but he is athletic, he is powerful, he is deadly, and he is a very, very important guy to watch in this heavyweight division, BC. He's a minus 1,600 favorite as well, taking on Kevin Lorena at plus 800. Yeah, he should win this. How do we understand this fight? I, I, I don't think this is much of a challenge for him on paper. We're going to see how it plays out. I mean, look, I didn't think Jermaine Franklin last week against Dillian White would be much of a challenge, and Franklin arguably should have won that fight mm-hmm. and, and pushed old Dillian to the limit there. But Daniel Dubois had that close-up against Joe Joyce where it was two unbeaten fighters coming together, and, you know, Joyce broke his eye, and Dubois had to call it quits. And I think that at first there was some sort of – Maybe negative, hypercritical talk, but people realize the danger he was in. He's still a very viable heavyweight, so let's look in on the process here of him rebuilding himself and coming back to get one of those big fights. But he's in the larger picture. He is a guy to watch, Daniel Dubois. He can punch. He's big. There is a lot to like there. Um, But not a ton of meaning in that Fury Chisora fight, as we mentioned. But, Luke, I don't want you to poo-poo what we could get in that DAZN offering, though, because we waited a long time for this. Which one? 
that trilogy about. Oh, the disowned. Okay, so let me set this up. So this is a trilogy about same day. Of course, this will be at night because uh, the the fight between Fury and Chizor is going to be in London. But that night in Glendale, Arizona, where we just were, it's the exact mm-hmm. same arena. Juan Francisco Estrada at plus 175 takes on Ro- Roman. By the way, gringos, look at me. Mirame. It's not Chaco Latita. Choco Latito, excuse me. Uh, Taking on uh, Roman Gonzalez at minus 225, Choco Latito, BC. Now, here's why I said it's a good fight, not a great fight. They fought once, Choco Latito won. They fought a second time, Estrada won, but, um, okay, that's fine. Disputed, no, it was disputed. Disputed. Here's the other part. Since the second meeting, this is my argument to you. They should have fought right away. They should have fought right away. Estrada looked like shit since then. Chocolatito did not. Yes. Why should I be so, so excited about this? Oh, because this is the rivalry. So here's the deal. When Chocolatito came on the scene, three-division champion, insane knockout, such a great boxer. He, he literally was the pound-for-pound pound king in that window after Floyd went away, you know, around the time that Andre Ward had a, had a case at it in that moment. When he, But the only challenge on that entire run until Chocolatito, your pound-for-pound pound king, finally ran into twice, we say this name a lot, Srisaket Sorungvisai, the guy from Thailand, until he ran into him, the only guy that gave him pause, concern, was a much younger, at that time, Juan Francisco Estrada, when they met that first time, what was it, 2012, 2013, whatever it was in Los Angeles. Chocolatito got the win, but you were like, oh my God, he's basically God in these lower weight classes, Chocolatito. Estrada's the guy to watch. He's the guy that gave him all he can handle. Well, since then, we've been waiting for that rematch. And since then, Estrada only got better, entered pound-for-pound categories, made huge, amazing fights against Sri Sikets or fight of the year contenders. And when we finally got that rematch, look, we had to think in that moment that was going to be the end. Chocolatito was old. He had come back from those two devastating fights against Teresa Ketz or Song Rung Vasai. But what Chocolatito did that night in that rematch in Dallas a couple years back, a legitimate fight of the year leading candidate, was turn back time. He didn't get the nod. Estrada got the nod. But, Luke, this has been the only guy outside of that Large calfed fellow with a high socks, Risiket, so rung beside that rat eater. He's outside got, he's got of him, motherfucking calves for days. Yeah, outside of him, Estrada has historically been the only guy in these weight classes who can push Chalco. But you add that wrinkle of in that rematch, Chocolatito turned back time, fought his balls off, but in a very close, great fight, got the disputed wrong end of the stick. Now we had to wait. This fight got delayed multiple times. We had to wait a long time. We're still getting it. They're still viable. This rivalry still matters. Will it be the worst of the three just on their age? Maybe. It also may be the best in that regard. It's never going to be the kind that's going to get a lot of hoopla. This is a hardcore fan's delight. And in many ways, it's a kind of aftermarket bonus to the hardcore fan's delight. But this fight still matters, Luke, for that division, for their respective rivalries. It's for the ring and vacant WBC super flyweight titles. and uh, 118 pounds super mm-hmm. flyweight, right? So basically junior bantamweight. Is it 118 or 115? No, 115 is super flyweight. So this is 115. Yes, sorry. So, um, look, this division, since Chocolatito moved up in it, and this was really, we didn't realize, was kind of the twilight of his career, it's been all lights out. It's been all amazing. This is this may be the final chapter in that run. I don't know. Maybe Sarisa Ket Storm Ringerside just, just lost, and he's kind of fading. You could still make a trilogy for him against both of those guys, but this is the real trilogy in this division's history that matters. And if Chocolatito can come out, at this age, was he 35? Which is 35. like, dude, when Estrada's he 32. When he got knocked the hell out by Sor Rungvisai, uh, uh, Chocolatito was like 32, and we were like, sorry, at that weight class, you're done. You're done, dude. Right. Okay? You right. know, you just got face 30 planted. fucking five. You're, no, you're 35. 
and you got screwed in that rematch. Oh man, if he comes back and wins this, there are very few heroes left that like I just have to stop and applaud. You know, it's like BJ Penn, Miguel Cotto, like these guys and they, where these come up, they're like royalty as they pass through. He's Cholatito Gonzalez is royalty. He's one of the most beautiful fighters. We were blessed to get a chance to see part of his run at the Some of the best level. footwork in all of boxing. Most of his best stuff you had to watch on illegal streams off network TV and get malware. But this is probably the last <laughs> is that, dance. Is that your explanation for all the porn sites yeah. you went to and that destroyed your laptop? This is probably the last dance, and they complement each other so great. El Gallo Estrada is going to push that pace and be the body puncher and the boxer, but Chocolatito is going to do Chocolatito shit and switch and weave in and out with those heavy, accurate combinations. This is going to be a, a joy to behold. It's it's going to be high skill, but also high action. It's going to be like a symphony. It's going to be art, Luke. Even if they're a little bit past it, it's going to be thirty five. With that, what does that make him if he be, if he wins in terms of champs in this weight class? He's got to be one of the oldest, right? Thirty fucking yeah, five. Yeah, it's. I mean, that, that's why we were Nonito Nonito Donaire in recent years was doing that same thing too. One of these like rare sort of last stands by these old gunslinging cowboys right, where right. you're just like. You know, Nonito did it at 118 and became a unified champ. If Chocolatito becomes the champ, which the ring title is supposed to signify in this division and wins this rivalry against this, 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 is, this is great theater. So don't miss this, Luke. Don't, this is worth your time. That second one was like a fight of the year. Did you remember it? Uh, yeah, I think we talked about it on the show. Yeah, yeah. great. Choco. Chocolatito. There you go. Choco, not Chaco. Chocola gringo. That's Choco gringo. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate gringo. Uh, okay, BC. What does that translate to? Little chocolate. No, chocolate gringo. Uh, chocolate gringo. <laughs> all right, that's... I guess you're just talking about black people. Oh, no, I don't no, even no, know. No, 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 no. Uh, all right. Uh, topic four. PFL interested in booking Cyborg versus Harrison. Do you BC. see this aggressive tweet from Don Davis? Yeah, boy. Don Davis to ESPN. All right. Here's what he said, right? So Don Davis. Uh, no. So Peter Murray is the CEO. Don yeah. Davis is chairman. He's up there. Some shit like that. They've got like five CEOs. You think either of them could beat the smart Cajun in SAT test? <laughs> Not a chance, right? Hello, Don Davis. This is the smart cage. <laughs> Don, your cholesterol is getting high. Yeah, I want to see the smart cage in the meetings being like, it is very stupid to put this on pay-per-view. <laughs> Don, your liver now looks like Brian Campbell's of the award-winning morning combat. Please get that addressed. Thank uh, you. By the way, also for the PFL donks, like I know Greg Savage on them, they brought all those motherfuckers here in New York. They should have brought, well, we weren't in studio. We could have had them in studio. You could have had Lauren Mack in here. Yeah, he's not coming in studio ever. Uh, But the rest of them could have been in here. Anyway, all right, so Don Davis, the ESPN, says the following, quote, I have a counter view to the Twitter universe. My view is simple. Chris was scared of Kayla and unwilling to take that fight prior to last all Friday. Right, all right, Don. All right. I believe there was zero chance of that fight happening due to Cyborg's fear of Kayla. Now I think the odds of that fight happening have gone way up. Really? And I still believe Kayla wins that fight. Look, I love this fight, but you can't take this stance now when she just got beaten. I know. So here's what he says. Offer stands. Here's Kayla, the tweet Cyborg. Here's the tweet. Say, yeah. say the tweet, Luke. I don't know if we have it. I'm yeah, sure. offer stands at Kayla Harrison or at Kayla H versus Chris Cyborg. One million each fighter plus two million a winner. Additional tip. So I guess you get you would get three if you won. Winner's choice for a Rolls Royce. Biggest cash purse in history for female MMA fighting. No more hiding. Get the fuck out of here, my guy. Decide the best inside the cage at PFL MMA pay-per-view super fight. Hashtag Kayla Cyborg. Okay, look. BC React. I like the aggressiveness, but that's really all I like about this. 
it's hard to take this stance after she just lost and lost cleanly. And the fight to make next, I'm sorry, it's a rematch again. It's like, how can you put this out after Larissa Pacheco just did what she did, right? Losing twice to Kayla Harrison in 2019, missing out last season because she missed weight, yet comes all the way back, five straight wins by by first-round knockout, and then goes in there against Kayla Harrison, the face of your franchise, and cleanly beats her. And now you're going on Twitter banging the drums for a super fight that is not over, right? The idea of Cyborg facing Kayla Harrison is not over, but you can't pass go and start talking about this fight again until Kayla goes back and redeems herself and handles her business. And Luke, maybe that makes it bigger. Maybe if Kayla goes out in a special pay-per-view rematch to open next year and beats Pacheco, maybe you set up a cyborg fight to close the year on pay-per-view that's even bigger than it would have been originally. Maybe. But do I agree Chris was ever scared? No. No, I don't. I believe Chris is at a point now where she's about the money, right? She wants to get paid for, for being the legend that she is. So if you can produce... That bit, look, that's a big offer. The reason why I said I like the aggression of Don Davis because that's a big public, that's a lot of public information to share in one tweet. Look, yes, that's a big ass offer yes, of a lot of money, which you would not get the pay per view buys or the clicks or the ratings to necessarily justify it. Are you trying to do a good deed and just say, look, this fight needs to happen anyway for the sport so somebody will put up the money? That's great. If you got rich friends, please do it. But Luke Thomas, mm-hmm. nothing in the sentiment is necessarily justified. True or false, Kayla has to beat Pacheco first before people are going to entertain this the way it should be. I don't even know what to make of it other than it's just... And where's the money coming from? Empty PR. Like, meaningfully, does the loss to to Pacheco make the cyborg fight in terms of what actually has to happen to make it fight, in terms of PFL and Bellator sitting down and hashing out a deal, does this loss make it more or less likely? Uh, there's, excuse, there's the loss to from, from Harrison to Pacheco. Does it make it more or less likely? If anything, it makes it somewhat less likely, not more. And either way, I, I would imagine it to be somewhat marginal in its significance therein. Like, I don't understand how it has anything to do with it in either direction. It's just a cheap way to get PR, and we're giving it to him. I mean, here we are, you know, rewarding that the, the tweet with some more of attention. Oh, maybe the cage had a, had an alternative motive. <laughs> The smart cage Look, knew maybe better. Maybe I pushed you to your limits in our relationship this morning with an ulterior motive. Uh, yeah. Although you tried to justify it with uh, some bullshit, but I stand by it though. I just well, a little bit. Of, but the point I'm trying to make is, I don't think it meaningfully moves the needle in either direction here. I think it's just totally empty bullshit. I don't like. Do you think Scott Coker's going to see that and go, "Well, blah, 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 better get on the phone. We're going to figure this out." Like, well, he should be getting a cut of that. That that three million that they're offering the winner. Yeah. Right? By the way, who's putting up the money? Well, that's my big for question. For that, plus like, a Rolls gonna, Royce. Like, who the fuck's funding this? We're we gonna find out. BLK Prime is behind this. I mean, who is? You know, is Kinahan behind? I mean, who is behind this at the end of the day? Rugaru's gonna be like, what the fuck's going on Do you here, have fellas? To show that you don't have to show that at the end. I mean, it's not like Chatri at the end of the day is opening up the. Uh, you the do one have to have right? based on what commission you're in. You do have to have some of that money in escrow. Uh, some of it has to be there, but you don't actually have to have. Does Don Davis? And the smart cage have this in escrow right now. Well, the smart cage is probably just doing all its money on motherfucking Bitcoin and shit. <laughs> just Do you think FTX the smart cage makes trades shit? during the fights? Shit, bro. That fucking smart cage. That smart cage is the, was the same thing talking to Knight Rider, that, that talking car. Oh, yeah. Who's, who's smarter, the smart cage or the talking car in Knight Rider? See, these idiots don't know about Knight Rider. These new kids. <sighs> See, Knight Rider didn't even have to navigate like Me Too and stuff. Knight Rider was just out there just trying to get, <laughs> trying to get house off laid left and right, right? He was just trying to get... Just ass left yeah. and right. Um, I don't know. I think what- Hasselhoff got more ass Hasselhoff for Knight Rider, Baywatch, Baywatch, 
or being like Elvis in Germany? Or drunkenly eating that burger on the carpet yeah, when, you had, sad, that was when sad, you had technical difficulties. Yeah, that was sad state, the last one there. I'm going to say Germany, you know? Just because it's, it's, it, there's no rules international. Like, they, I always say, they worship Michael Jackson statues in Asia back in the 90s. They, people would be crying and, like, dying in front of it. Were like, they really? Wailing in front of it. Yeah, dude, seriously. The, 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 the love... Well, the love for Michael Jackson worldwide was just at like a stupid level. But the how many bands that are in America and they're like decent and then they go, oh, but over in Germany or in Japan, we are, you know, like next level yeah. legends, you know? He must have got next level post-wall Punani. Oh, that, right? that, po that post-Berlin wall <laughs> like, Punani? <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, <laughs> tell her to lose that bra, right? I mean, that, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's what happened, right? You're so terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I will say though, Baywatch. He probably, he probably had a couple shows where he just walked out <laughs> the trailer with his dungarees around his ankles. I mean, with the red speedo on. Oh wow, you know. Um. Anyway, all right. Last topic on the SBC, and then we'll call it a day on the top five here. Uh, okay. Not a whole lot to say about this one. Pretty quick, but it is official. Nate Diaz is a free agent. We know this because his agent, uh, Zach Rosenfeld, spoke to Damon Martin of MMA Fighting and confirmed it. Now, recall what had happened. He has the fight with Tony Ferguson. They had matching rights for a period of, excuse me, they had exclusive negotiating rights, I'm sorry, for up to 90 days. And then after that, they could have held him for a year with um, the ability to match whatever offers he got elsewhere. Instead, what the UFC did was they briefly enacted the we're going to have the exclusive negotiating period to see what happens but they didn't even wait out the 90 days they just let him rock i can tell you that i know there was a fear in that camp that nate diaz might have been the first one a to get the exclusive negotiating period yes. activated which was they were correct about but they also were worried that they were going to keep him under lock and key for a year i think the ufc made the right call here bc going to war with your talent to keep them when they don't want to be yep. there is a bad fucking idea and they don't want that kind of media attention if they don't have to have it. Nate Diaz is older, and he is extremely popular, but it's okay to let someone else get some of those things. Dude, the UFC is so entrenched. Do you think that's why they told Hamza to miss weight on purpose? I don't believe all that. Okay, that. Just, just putting it out there. All right. But I'm just saying. Who told you that? Brendan Schaub? Remember when Dana was like, who, who said that? Brendan Schaub said that? Remember? Oh, the post press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dana's just like Duncan and shit. Well, they're best friends, I mean, yeah. what do you say? But BC... Agree or disagree, the UFC made the right call by not getting – because if he had been stuck under contract and couldn't do anything or they were going to match him for a year or whatever it was going to be, that would have been ugly press for them. It would have been. They got around that. They let him go his way. I think they made the right call, especially since his manager is even saying the McGregor trilogy is still in play. Well, that's that's the big – I was going to say that would probably be the biggest reason why you would want to not burn this bridge and not do anything like that because Nate may – he look, he may box Jake Paul. He may get an offer in the MMA space that's kind of out of nowhere that we didn't think of before. I mean, could he fight Anderson Silva? It's not impossible, right? He could MMA fight Anderson Silva. But he may end up finding out after six months, a year, that the biggest paycheck and the biggest – fight that could alter his legacy in ways that matter to Nate the most separate from financials might end up being that Conor McGregor fight. So if you want to leave that channel open, I mean, do you want that fight, that trilogy to happen when they're 45 and Oscar De La Hoya is promoting it at the, uh, at the forum and it's golden boy MMA, or do you want that to happen at, you know, UFC 295, you know, where we're going with this. So I like that, but I think the biggest question now that this is official and UFC is not going to get in the way is what is the, the super fight, because I said this, when I when I talked about when when Jake was 
setting up to box uh, Anderson. We weren't sure who was going to win. And, and in hindsight, we made the right call. We, we shouldn't have been sure who was going to win that. The Nate fight is the biggest one to make. Uh, it's the biggest one to make, mostly in my opinion, because the first time Nate fights post-UFC, it's just going to mean more, right? It's just the unknown. What's going to look like in a boxing match? All that stuff. Is it go in the direction of Jake Paul or nowhere else? Or are we not th- are we not being creative enough? Where could Nate potentially go in the larger combat space right now to maximize this rare opportunity of leaving UFC on your own terms while you still have somewhat short-term legitimate brand potential for that? So a couple of things to think about here is under what auspices would it happen? Like Jake has, when he fights on DAZN, or his brother fought on DAZN, they have the power of DAZN to promote that, whatever that's worth. When he fights on Showtime, they have the power of the promotional muscle of yes. Showtime, and there's a certain worth to that as well. Including obviously. this show. Including this show, yeah. Um, if he goes outside of a traditional promoter, we just saw Rougarou not being able to get paid, but also the other problem there was the fight was legit, but it was promoted about as right. poorly as you could imagine. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to make maximum money, which means he needs to go with proven players. So I think that's somewhat constrained. So he's not going to enter into a celebrity grappling tournament with... Like an Easton Gibb in Saudi Arabia for $20 million. I mean, he might, but I think if you're like, so a couple of wild cards could be would Showtime or DAZN or some other player, some major player, do like Nate Diaz, Tommy Fury? That's one way to think about it. Would they do, here's another one too, would they do Nate Diaz versus Andrew Tate? I don't think any major promoter would want to touch Tate yeah, by virtue of how canceled would. he is. Right. Um, uh, I could be wrong, but uh, Jan Six Promotions might get off the ground in time. <laughs> Jan Six Promotions. Um, so there is that potentially. Um, what about I know? Or Anderson is certainly in play I know as well. Dylan Danis is boxing KSI, but should Nate be trying to get an MMA fight against Dylan? No one cares. No one cares, right? I mean, just from a money standpoint, are you going to get a lot fighting nah, KSI? I mean, I think you might get some. So what are the legitimate options here? It's it's Jake is a big one if they can make that. Jake's the Jake's the biggest by far, right? Jake's the biggest by far. Not Anderson and any other. I mean, does you think Nate even wants to fight MMA if it's not a, a Connor trilogy? Does he even want to? Well, why couldn't he box Anderson? I think people, personally, I think people, because we just saw Anderson box on a pretty high level against Jake after Chavez and all that, I think people would be more intrigued with MMA than boxing in that matchup. Probably, probably true. Um, the answer is he probably does have some options, but by far the best one is a Jake fight. It's just the reality. Mike Perry, BKFC. And BKFC probably does have some coin that they can throw at him. Uh, AJ McKee on CBS. I, I don't think he wants that kind of fight. I really don't. I really don't. I just don't think he wants to fight some young gun. I mean, yeah. you could say, well, Jake Paul's a young gun, but like a relative. Wouldn't that be a weird inversion of Frank Shamrock versus Nick Diaz, that fight? If they sort did? of, yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, so it, it stands to reason that the Jake fight will happen probably at some point, first or second quarter, 2023. By the way, speaking of Jake, did you see his beef with Patty Pimblett? Yeah, what's going on with that? So the long story short is that Pimblett did an interview and actually was complimentary of Jake's skills. I think you kind of have to be at least a little bit at this point. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? He actually ain't so bad. He ain't so bad. But the Silva fight was a fraud because he didn't even touch him, which is the, like, he's obviously believing some, like, crazy stupid Instagram post that is not even real. And okay, either here or there. So he's like, well, Silva took a dive. So Jake gets on camera and says, hey, uh, how about this? A, don't call Silva a criminal. And B, 
how about you fly to Puerto Rico? I'll charter it, private jet, and you, we'll spar five rounds if you win. I'll give you a million dollars. And then Patty Pimble was like, challenge accepted, but, you know, I got a fight coming up, so I can't go to Puerto Rico. It's like, well, then it's not challenge accepted. Like, <laughs> like that's you can't actually say that. Uh, but either way, it's a silly thing that neither of them are going to do. Here's my only point. He was like, if you lose, you have to join the United Fighters Association. It's like, here's my only advice to Jake Paul. I don't think that's the best way to get guys to join the United no, Fighters Association. No, I think no. there's probably better ways to do that than sparring them into losses yeah. into joining. That's my own personal opinion. Yeah, use sex and drugs as a as a, <laughs> as a uh, bait for that. Hey, look, breaking news from, you know, the account at Uberfax, which has 18 million followers? Uh, I do now. Uh, somebody, let's shout out this guy who put it onto us. Coach Randy on Twitter has put you and I onto this in real time. Vaping has been linked to erectile dysfunction. If we can zoom in on this hard and fast reality, Luke, it's already potentially the end of our chemistry. Yeah, boy, it's... I'm, I'm glad there's a citation there. They're not just writing words. Yeah. So um, your thoughts on this breaking news? Uh, I have yet to be afflicted by this. <laughs> you don't have VD with your uh, BD? Well, maybe I need another. By the way, did you see I didn't bring it today? ED. Uh, you didn't bring the vape? Mm-mm. That's like a, it's like a. I am trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not because my dick. Was it our but... fight that, that, that led you into it? Huh? <laughs> I got a pause. Was, was, was it our fight that led you into uh no, I've just been, uh, I've just been, dude, vaping is fucking stupid. I yeah, mean, there's yeah, nothing redeemable yeah. about it. So I've been trying to, I, I don't, by the way, I'm not like, I'm not, I've, I've quit cigarettes before back in my like early twenties or whatever. It didn't happen all at once. I don't suspect this will happen all at once, but, um, I'm trying, I'm trying. All right. I, I, I can give you a, a, a good faith. I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that effort. And by the way, the people out there, if they're, if they're battling something too like that, they know that we can get through this together. Yeah, right? I'm mostly concerned about how my lungs feel with the vaping. Well, I know that the caffeine withdrawal because I tried to quit coffee twice in the last. Oh, that'll uh, fuck year. you up, good. Yeah, that'll. That, it, basically, it's like being hungover for two straight days, and then you just give up. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we got that's the end of our top five. So let's get to the next part of this before we get to the fan subs. BC, we got an award to hand out here. Would you say stop that it's hammer time? Stop. Hammer time. Oh, 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 oh. Here comes the hammer. Oh. And then he, we should call this the pumps and the bumps. Yeah. And we, just imagine, come out, we just come out with like, a, you know, those tubes where they put tennis balls yeah. in? Yeah. And just put it in our underwear. And imagine then just if we walked out with banana hammocks and presented the hammer to yeah. the winner and they had to <laughs> grab it by the chef. That's not a good marketing. Um, not good. Okay. So the day has come where we are yes. ready to award the first ever Money Lion Hammer of the Month. Now, I want to say, of course, big thank you to everyone who voted on social media. Hashtag Holy Hammer, right? Holy Hammer. Turns out we had a runaway winner, so we're going to get to that in just a minute. I also want to take time to thank our friends and our sponsor, Money Lion. Of course, you can follow them at Money Lion on Twitter, at Money Lion Inc. on Instagram. Um, that's where most of the voting, of course, has happened, and thanks to everyone who did that. Why not work with the people who know how to money? Right. They know how to money. It's your it's your one stop money app. You can get it in the app store now. Money line. I've got it on my phone. BC's got it as well. Uh, tons of stuff you can do with it. You can build your credit. You can do regular banking. They've got a sort of an internal Venmo kind of system. They got a lot going on there. So go check them out. They were the ones that were very nice enough to do this. Now here's what we've been doing, BC. What we have been trying to do is let's find people boxing or MMA, UFC or Bellator or one any, any bare knuckle any bonanza. Whatever bare you knuckle got. doesn't matter, male or female. 
race, creed, religion, Dana White slap, stick league, whatever you got for me. Well, we're not going to do the power slap. I mean, I don't give a fuck who gets knocked out in that bitch. I'm not doing anything there. But uh, in this particular case, we want to find up-and-coming fighters who are just surging through and had standout performances this month. We came up with five different names. Number one, Ryan Spann was one of our names. The UFC light heavyweight. UFC light heavyweight who had a tremendous win over Dominic Reyes most recently. Paul Hughes, who was, to me, just an incredible performance. He had at Cage Warriors to claim the featherweight belt there. Three, Michael Trezano, also in that recent That card. war with Choi was yes. just a banger for five minutes, and he closed that out with a finish, yes. man. Uh, so he was on the list as well. Aaron Blanchfield, who has just, I mean, she ran over. She put that meatball on the crucifix. Yeah, she certainly did. She looked, uh, and then and then doing that bit, yeah, you know, it was yeah, pretty great. That, and then last but not least, from Bellator, just, I mean, I watched this live being like, holy crap. Sullivan Cauley with absolutely thunderous ground and pound yeah. in his, probably uh, still undefeated in his campaign. We put it to a vote. We said, what do you guys think? You can vote, uh, as many times as you want, for whatever reason, whatever stands out to you. Now, BC, before we reveal the winner, who was your choice among those five? What did you think was the most? Look, there were so many more than just the five. I could have added Pollyanna Vienna. I could have had so many people that had big sort of turns on the undercard and in, in, in closeout performances. But Aaron Blanfield got our attention in a big way against somebody who could not have had more momentum in Molly McCann, but just showed you firsthand exactly what that Jersey tough business was about. I, I would have been fine with her winning in. I also really liked Michael Trezano because he looks like he could be like a, a pit crew member in NASCAR. He's kind of got the <laughs> hair for it, but yet he was willing to walk through hell in that fight against Choi. So either of those, I would have been fine, but those other three nominees here, Luke, it's, it's a tough race. If you had to put a pen to the pen, uh, I'm going to lean Blanchfield. I'm going to lean Blanchfield. That was your I choice? Thought she, I thought she she deserved it at the end of the day. I'm going to go 1A, 1B on my choices. My 1A was Paul Hughes because it was a five-round fight, and it was just, man, I'm telling you, when you've seen it too, man, where guys go out there and you're like, how is one guy going to beat the other? I just can't even fathom how this is going to look. And one guy just takes the fight by the scruff of the neck yeah. and then forces it to be a certain way and does it with skill. Paul Hughes did that. I couldn't believe how good he looked. He'd been my 1A. My 1B would be Blanchfield. Be, uh, Blanchfield, excuse me. Blanchfield did what I had to do to you this morning when you accosted me. She was just at the end. She was just like. Is that what you did in the meeting? Should we pull out the Showtime producers to get recall what actually happened or not? She was just like, okay, we got through that. Mm -hmm. we got through it. Yeah. No, you can lie to the audience, yeah. motherfucker. You can't lie to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But the point being is Blanchfield would be my, my, my 1B choice because uh, what would you say, BC? She's destined for something special. I don't know when, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I do think that there's something pretty remarkable yeah. about what her her long-term potential. And that long-term potential might be shaped like a hammer, too, if she keeps this up, so we'll see. All right, well, then now it is time to formally announce the winner. Again, y'all voted. This is, and we were told that the votes were overwhelming for this next winner. So... Morning Combat for another podcast award? Is that that's right. So, so, what we are told is... Congratulations to our first ever Hammer of the Month award winner, the one and only Aaron Blanchfield. Wow. Is our first wow. ever Hammer of the Month. Look at, look at that design right look there. Look at that piece right there. Look piece at that. Stay look at piece on the Brought to you from our friends at Money Lion who certainly know how to money, but when you talk about dropping that hammer... That was Aaron Blanchfield in the 125-pound division. She grinded those, those meatballs up with that hammer, Luke.
So she will be getting her hands around that piece right there. We're going to be sending this to her, or we, you know, she. I, I'm told she's relatively local. Yeah, yeah, right? she, she's she's about that Jersey life. You know? So maybe there's a chance we can get her in studio. We'll see. I don't. I can't make any proclamations I'll, about that. But there's an opening on that couch. There is. There is. Uh, don't be weird. Don't be weird. I, <laughs> but anyway, Aaron Blanchfield is uh, a very special fighter. Congratulations. She had a very special performance, and the fans. Again, overwhelmingly voted for her. I will say, shouts to Paul Hughes, who did not win, but to me looked incredible. He should, all the nominees should hold their heads oh, high. Ryan Spann took Dom Reyes and just ground, ground yeah. him up. Yeah, he Lord, looked tremendous man. as well. So you couldn't even get on that list unless you look tremendous. And for Aaron Blanchfield, she really has done something special in her career to date and, and carved up Molly Meatball like it was no thing. She is your first ever Money Lion Morning Combat Hammer of the Month. There you go, BC. All right, my friend. Time Turns out she can touch this, you know? <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, what we do is we have this other segment where uh, you use our hey, email. If I address. hit you over the head with this, will stars appear like in the cartoons? Will like will like Tweety Bird you'll circle have to get your a head? New, you'll have to get a new star to fill this chair. Right? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, thank you. I operate with a hammer on a regular basis. That's you know very. My uh, fate, mine doesn't work no more. Uh, Morning combat at gmail.com is that email address where Jay Paquette from his you know lakeside view of Mount Unike puts together artwork that we put on our collective fridge. This one's called Fan Submissions. You've got mail. You've got mail. Fans. Yes. Um, Di Stefano. Di Stefano? There's a man named Di Stefano. You ready for this? Yeah. Hey, this is Di Stefano from college. Like the famous Real Madrid player? From Chicago, not from college. Good Lord. This past Saturday, I went to Bellator 288 with a couple of old college buddies. It was our very first fight event and they were amazed at the amount of incels and Jan 6 rioters in attendance. After watching your show and the fans you bring in, I wasn't surprised at all. I made sure to rep the MK, and after, I came back home to my new merch waiting for me. It may be too late to win this year's Donk of the Year, but I'm coming for next year's award. Nice. Enjoy the Thanksgiving weekend, gentlemen. BC, Let's, you brought that jacket here, too. I did. I'm going to wear that today in a pregame preview with Chuck Minnan. That's right. Huh? Uh, can we see that man again in his uh, cargo, in his, uh, what do you call bomber jacket? Bomber jacket. He's probably got cargo pants on with it. Wow, look at this guy, DiStefano, from... from God, drinking a Modelo. This is an MMA fan. Oh, uh, yeah. Big fan of this guy, Luke, okay? Thank you for repping us, and now we rep you, DiStefano. Thank you for... Looking... You no, know, that bomber season, Luke, you don't... Oh, you got to be fucking kidding. Yeah, we, we'll work through that fire alarm. They can't... They're going to they're gonna have to physically... Like BJ Penn in the Lava Shack parking lot, you're going to have to pull me away from this fight, all right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Luke, that bomber jacket, morningcombat.store, there's still some available. It's the best item we got. It's the best. I, I would say of all the things that we have, it's by far the best. All right, let's go over to Aaron from London, England. Greetings, fellow degenerates. Up until last week, much like Luke Holy smokes. and the late, great Kobe Bryant, I was a hashtag girl dad, but on Tuesday, my wife gave birth to a nearly 10-pound baby boy. It was wow. only right that one of the first images he saw was Luke's dead face. Talk <laughs> about your day one donk. I was debating whether to cover him with the MK t-shirt or use it to clean the birthing room floor, <laughs> but opted for the former as this thing was a mess. Yeah, really, it really is just a just Yeah, a it's, a, it's a murder scene. Yeah. I promised to raise him in line with all the MK core values, except for the vaping. I'm trying to raise a man, not a grimy piece of shit. Yours 
respectively, Aaron from London. Look Luke, at that beautiful This baby makes boy. you want to go to the UK and meet our fans. You know what I mean? Go yeah. Mouth to mouth contact. Well, not maybe not with Aaron. Uh, but, that's a little much. Yeah, but Aaron, congratulations. Look at this beautiful. By the way, how much were you, did you weigh when you were born? Nine pounds, seven ounces. Yeah, I was 10. I was a flat 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no way you're fitting through, you know, average childbearing hips. There's just not no, a chance. No, no, no. By the way, my mom did it in India, and I was told with no anesthetic because they didn't have any. Shit. So it wasn't even a choice. Um, apparently, she screamed bloody murder the whole time. So. All right. Uh, hello from, uh, also from London. Here's Alex. My name is Alex Sobel, a huge MK fan from the UK. If you two washed up mouth breathers were ever to fight, I think your poster should be this. We almost got there this morning, Luke. Yeah, he definitely got us there mouth breathing. <laughs> Don, what do you think about this Donk FC poster for the first pay-per-view? It's uh, so Okay, so it's Dick the flag Jokes behind Campbell me, but is it like a factory behind you? Is we, that what it can is? Can we zoom in? So they have me as Dick Jokes Campbell and you're Logic Thomas. God, but Logic's like a, a rapper I don't like. All right, and that's a flag behind Donk you. Donk FC. You, I like you, the Donk FC. That you nearly never respect, Luke, so that's interesting. I'm the one who doesn't respect it? The flag behind you, yeah. How do oh, I know? Right. I wore it. it. I wore it disrespectfully with that pro wrestling T-shirt. Yeah, you did. Look at yeah. the flag code. You're I guess not, I you owe respect you, the flag. You're never supposed to do that. I owe you an that. apology as well for the flag treatment. You don't owe me well. an apology. You owe the United States of America <laughs> an apology. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for uh, reaching out. And I'm still touched by Aaron in London, England. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, he welcomed his offspring to the world and put MK around him. I mean, what kind of kind of yeah? Maybe child services yeah. should have a talk yeah. with All you. Right. But otherwise, oh, uh, let's go to Mustache Dad. Just reminding you that you're washed. I turned you two into the obscure 80s and 90s white rap group. First of all, they're not obscure. They're awesome. Third base. Third base is not obscure. Who will forever be cooler than you two. Keep up the nonsense. It's MK every damn day. Let's go back to this guy, Mustache Dad. Yeah, that's this This is awesome. That's uh, DJ Pete Nice, right? And uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Pop, this is the Pop Goes the Weasel guy. Yeah, I, yeah. I forget this guy. Luke, they're saying you look like Jay Aaron. I do look like Jay in this picture. Only Jay usually has his mouth open and he's talking ad nauseum. Uh, Prime Minister Pete Nice follows me on Twitter, and that's like a career achievement. I'm, and the fat guy from Boys to Men, too. The chubby guy, Nathan. Fat guy in Boys to Men? Who is that? There's, there's a chubby Boys to Men guy compared to the rest. I who, might who have there's the deep voice guy. Yeah, that's the guy. I mean, he's not necessarily like post-fighting DC, but you know, he's, 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 you know, yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, let's go to Alan W. I, I don't know if there's anyone you fat shame more than Daniel Cormier. Dude, is he is enjoying life. Yes, he is. He's going after it. I was, uh, this is Alan W. I was going to submit this for Halloween. However, I was hesitant because I wanted to maintain some anonymity. Is that how you say it? Anonymity. Anonymity. But being that I have some face paint and BC needs some assistance with his memory recall, instead of being called Alan M, Alan E, how's this guy getting on three times on one show on a consistent basis? Maybe this submission will help. Jokes aside, I've been a fan of BC since his ESPN days as a writer and contributing boxing analyst. Yeah. Is this your kid? No, he says, yes, I am one of the few boxing aficionado donks. Thanks for the hours of weekly entertainment, you old wash bastards. I don't understand this. What is this? Is this man trying to tell me that every time we get an email from Alan, regardless of the last initial, it's him? Is that what he's trying to say? I don't, he, you know he looks like? You ever heard of the rapper Stitches? No. That's He kind of looks you. like uh, like uh, Cody Rhodes a little, too, with this. I don't get it. Okay. Am I missing? What is this supposed to be, Lucas? I guess he's trying to preserve anonymity. I It's like a Dia de los Muertos kind yeah. of thing. He looks know. like an extra in the uh, stand video with Eminem, right? That was what's-his-face, the, the 90s heartthrob, Devin Sawa. Yes. Devin yes. Sawa, yeah. From um, what, what was he in, Little Giant? Final Destination. 
And wasn't he in Little Giants as the quarterback too? I don't know. Okay. I know he's in like a new Chucky movie With, that's being uh, Icebox. She probably turned out okay after she got out of that husky phase, right? Who? Icebox. Who's Icebox? From Little Giants? Am I the only one that, that I don't think I've seen that movie. All right, all right. Uh, let's go over to Mike. He says, the wife recently brought bought me a drawing tablet, so I decided to learn some Photoshop tricks using your goofy mugs. Thanks for all your... Uh, you see, we really are just two old washed pieces of shit. That's the spirit we bring to the show. What do you think it, about it, this artwork here, Luke? Uh, it's like the Take On Me video. Yes. Take look at that. See, that's what I would look like if I had manly facial hair, the kind that fills in all the way around thickly, Luke. But I no, wasn't born. You got some walrus jowls in that picture. I wasn't born with the right amount of testosterone, apparently. I don't think that's the issue. All right. Well, I like this work from Mike. I Thank need you. a haircut, too. Good he Lord. says, uh, thanks for all the content, you unshowered heathens. Well, that would be true most, most shows. Uh, let's go over to Christopher. I edited this little video to pay tribute to Chuck's legendary moment on the UFC 281 pregame preview. Never underestimate the man in the hat. Let's hear this. They're, they're, I bet they're bitter. Dern didn't win. I bet you too. Oh, yeah. I bet sure they, they won that one. <laughs> They could have done something with Imagine Ioana comes out of retirement, just parachutes in to rematch Carla for the belt. Front kicks him in the face. Oh, God. Um, yeah. I mean, what yeah. would it take to get Ioana on this couch? You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> Brett Okamoto. <laughs> that's, that's what, yeah, that's like, hey, Brett, we, really we like you. We don't really uh, want to help you, but kind of around. Dude, that was really good. That's good editing. That was right really there. good. That's Christopher on the edit and the the future Hall of Famer Chuck Mendenhall with that one liner. Hey, oh, by the that way, was good. Chuck's dry humor, his little, his oh, little excellent. It is yeah. just brilliant. Can't wait to see. This is today. a true story. Do you know what Chuck Mendenhall? Now he's been doing this since the MMA beat days. This is true. He does this every time. When I say every time, I mean every time. We'll do a podcast, whether it's this or the beat or whatever, and then as soon as it's over, he always looks at the panel and goes, "Okay, ready to do this one for real." <laughs> Like the biggest dad joke ever. He does it every time. Uh, let's go back to Alan W. of the many Allens on the show. He says, you guys viewed Michelangelo's lost fresco, the creation of tip to tip. Here is Michelangelo's lost painting, the gift of vape. And then we also have gift of vape 2.0. And we also wait for version 3.0. Luke, this is incredible. They gave you a little little love pouch there. I mean, you're 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 jacked, but you've you're also yeah. I'm kind of like I got muscular arms, but a big old fat. Well, not a big old fat belly, but kind of a belly there, uh, with the Pepto Bismol over my my Frankenbeans. Yeah, this is this. I, I'm this is both disturbing <laughs> and I kind of want it framed. Oh Jesus, that's weird. Good Lord, what is that? Are those. Oh, I thought that was weed in your brain. Those are all people, Luke. Who are those people? You motherfucker. See, I'm I'm forever in your head. And sadly, yes. You mother you were this morning you were like, you motherfucker. No, I don't think I called you a motherfucker. I said that was motherfucking stupid. You definitely called me a motherfucker. And you definitely deserved it. I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, wow. Now I got to roll a toilet paper all over my hog. Yeah, Why are you flying in a donut? Now, what the did fuck? you see Krupp fat shame me by saying, oh, two Boston creams this yeah, morning? Yeah, dude. Dude, Krupp, Krupp, Krupp brought the I mean, thunder this morning. Come on, Krupp. All right. Uh, let's go over to Danger Mouse, a regular in these parts. He says, uh, hi, BC. Just a couple from me this week. Can't believe I sent you a badly cropped one last week. It's supposed to be you guys who mess up, not the donk of the year. Anyway, you two donks aren't giving me much to work with of late. Try and say more dumb shit, please. I think this first one is pretty self-explanatory. Luke was very surprised at what happened when he opened BC's DMs. Okay. Uh, 
Those are dick shaped dog uh, hot dogs. Look, well, those Aren't are all hot dogs dick shaped. Yeah, kind of, but those have like an extra kind of. Yeah. You got a bell end. <laughs> yeah. The second one is Danger Mouse turning producer Mikey's comment about BC's Island of Misfit Toys into art. Wow. Okay, let's unpack this a little oh bit. Oh, my God. All right, so hold on. That's Joanna in the bikini. That's Jake with the camera. camera. That's Molly the Wonder Dog right there in the bottom right corner. Hasbulla, and is that BC with Hasbulla? Yep. Okay, that's, it's oh. Mikey in the plane. Okay, that's Sasha the dog next to Reggie Jackson next to the guitar. Next to a is, turtle. But who is that? Is that Mick Fleetwood next to him? Who is that? Right I don't there? know. Who, ha- who has the Santa hat? Is that Dickie Betts or Mick Fleetwood? You guys got any feel on that? Also, there's a dolphin in the bottom right-hand corner. Next to Molly. Yeah, Next that's... Molly. Wow, this is... Uh, this is interesting. Yeah. That looks like the worst island ever. No, that island's actually pretty awesome. You got a record player. You got, I'd rather be on, like, Snake Island than that one. You got a nice uh, nice strat right there, a black one to, to jam on, Luke. This is great, right? We got straw weights. <laughs> Uh, and finally, this is uh, JP from Mount Unike with a video message for us boys oh, here at MK. Fucking a. Good day, Luke BC and MK Nation. Super fan, Jay Paquette, a.k.a. JP, coming to you from beautiful Mount Uniac, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uniac. Back in episode 348, my custom uh, metal fabricated morning combat sign was featured on fan subs. Well, Luke liked it so much, he said... You know what? Maybe I should go to Jay's property and steal it from him. Luke, before you did wrong me, let's go to the videotape. <laughs> Maybe JP will invite us to the uh, lake house, Luke. Yeah, or invite us to the lake house, at which yeah. point I will just steal it. We'll do MK in your house. <laughs> I recently reached out to Kyle Federley of Smoke on the Water Metal Fabrication Design, and I said, you know what, Kyle? I think we're going to need a few more of these signs. And Kyle was great. He invited me over to his metal fabrication shop for the entire afternoon, and he allowed me to take pictures and video the entire process. Let's take a look and see how it went. This motherfucker has a whole book report. <laughs> You're pretty bad off here. Look at that fabrication. Look, this is a borderline factory they're in right now. Nothing borderline about it. Luke, BC, and MK staff, as a very special thanks for all you do for us fans. I'll be sending in three of these custom metal signs into the show. Holy shit. Damn, JP. Backwards, fucker. Well, the whole thing. Um, to the entire MK uh, team, <laughs> thank you so much for allowing us fans to be such a, a great part of such a terrific, terrific show. Hey, could this Thank fucker so have much. more smoke great alarms in his right-hand corner? Uh, this is JP, <laughs> super fan, coming to you from Matt Unike. No, BC, it's Uniac, my brother, Uniac. May all of our gains be loyal. In two words, we out. <laughs> Luke, that's a potential power move to try to become First the dog of, of the year. I like right? how my man just made a video message making it all about himself. <laughs> And then got oh, on the fucking shit. show. Look, Look at, this. at this, bro. Look at this. JP. Wow. Wow. Look, it's it may be hard to beat this for Donk of the Year. Dude, he I just sent us he just sent us this gift. Look, this is gonna this is what it's gonna look like when I put you in horny jail, Luke. Okay. 
put me in horny jail. All the fucking subs are about me vaping and you masturbating. <laughs> oh, look at this. J JP knows. Dude, you can smell the fresh coat of paint on this thing. Dude, that smells. What do they call that section? The Maritimes in Canada, Luke? Yeah. Let's make that up. I think so. Holy <laughs> shit balls. Wow. Thank you so much, JP. Look, this yeah, is JP, this is you've outdone yourself with this. Will one. you put this outside your house? Outside my house? Yeah, like like near your outdoor gym. Um, my outdoor gym is just my front yard, <laughs> uh, so no, I won't do that. But okay. I will put this in my in my office. Oh, this is great. This is so good. I yeah, this is great. This is going to make for an interesting travel piece on the train ride home. Yeah, yeah, it could be a weapon at the Newark Penn train station, Luke. Um, I don't know. Do, does this kill zombies this with Ebola? I don't know if it does. <laughs> this could deflect many airborne illnesses. Just hold this out at the people, right? <laughs> Is it like a cross to get rid of zombies? Just fucking, or Dracula or whatever the fuck? All right. But can we have a real talk moment here? That's pretty cool. This donk of the year race, did it just turn? It just turned. Like, is Hardcore. Appleton going to have to show up, show up his hog now? I mean, what's going to have to happen? Okay, Luke? Appleton, I don't want to see your hog. <laughs> So please don't do that. What about Russell and Elvis? I mean, there's some people that are watching this going, oh, shit. Jimmy. I got to say, for this level of detail, which he not only went through to get this done, which is generous of him, to make the video shot backwards, he's a little, he needs some help. I mean, little Anthony's going to have to name his kid after you to, to get back in this race, right? Little Anthony. Yeah, remember the fake Saul at the line? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to declare Jay as our leading candidate. Also, isn't it Jay's wife who like Dawn? Yeah, yeah, the boss lady. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say that's the one-two tandem right there. Wow. Are they the new um, um, Bill and uh, Bill and Jen RV Adventures? Did Bill and Jen just die or get sick of the show? I can't confirm they're alive, but I know they sold the RV and they're living in Pennsylvania for a bit now. Right. Oh, that's sad. Um, well, it doesn't have to be sad. You could have a good life in Pennsylvania. Can you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> quite debatable. Nietzsche is from Bethlehem. He got the fuck out, too, yeah, didn't he? he did, yeah. He uh, but did. this is tremendous, Jay. This is tremendous. Wow, Jay, uh, look at this. Is, this is the first time we've, we've praised Jay on this show. A, any Jay, right? Well, the other one, the other Jay is impossible to praise. He is just uh, a total reprobate. This is great. I mean, I could... Yeah. Are you going to smash that over you know, someone's it, head? Izzy should hang this from the nipple just to really just play that thing out a little bit. I mean, the, the, the titty sag's enough. I mean, let's just be real. <laughs> This is so uh, good, right? I don't really even know good. what to do with it. Yeah, you get great cheese. Right. Luke, I'm sorry that I um, that I broke your your uh, I broke our chemistry and I broke your confidence. It's all right. We already talked about it. We're good. I'm an adult. We move on. Uh, this is true. I'd be willing to challenge you to a rematch at High Court, though. You don't want to do that. Do you think we'll ever get that vehicle on the ground again? Yeah. If we just have, we just have to have the right um, the right topic. Okay. That's all. Okay. By the way, I wanted to hold the John Jones one until there was news, but y'all just, you know. Well, it's, it was great content waiting to be watched. That's the difference between you and I. You're like all strategic and shit. I'm like, I got great content that people need to see it. Yeah. And if that's me talking to Brian Barbarino, that's what it is, Luke, okay? It can be many things. All right, I want to remind everyone, the store, morningcombat.store, for everyone who got the uh, digital or whatever the fuck, Cyber Monday, and then Black Friday, all that stuff, congrats. It should be in your house soon. Thank you to everyone who purchased. Of course, Showtime.com is the label that pays. 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. And don't forget, we're going to have a double dose, probably, of dead wrongs. By the way, I have an idea about dead wrong, dead wrong I want to run by you. Want me to do it right now? Yeah. I have an idea about it. Or in true, in true recent history of the show, you should just activate the idea without asking your co-host. <laughs> that works out great between us, it turns out. No, seriously, here's my idea. And I think we have to flesh it out a little bit, but it could work. I love dead wrong. 
But one of the problems with it is it ends up being a little bit pedantic and a little bit silly. It's like, oh, the capital of this state was X. and you It does it allow we, – we're the rare show that gives people a chance to dunk on us. Right. We will throw the, you the law. I don't mind the dunking, actually. In fact, I think the dunking is essential. You need the audience to do that. I don't mind that. But I kind of don't like that it's all about like, oh, you said it was UFC 107. It's actually 108, right, where you get these sort of small marginal things wrong. What about a dead wrong – where someone records, and it has to be narrow, a 60-second video making an argument that we're wrong about something we've said. And we have to argue So it's back. not fact-based as much as it's opinion-based, but here's some facts to fuel yes, my opinion yes. better. What do you think about that? We have to flesh out how it would work. How, do you like that idea? I do like that idea. And by the way, while they're like reading you the riot act, you could put either your face or my face on camera getting lectured, you know? I, don't, I think it's a pretty good idea. I like it. I like if you guys like that, email the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. We could still do like, hey, if we said it was 107 and it was 109, that can still be on, on the board. But like, I want to have a part of the show, a little bit of a give and take, huh? Between us and the audience. I kind of like that idea. All right. I'm willing to give and take with you at any time, Luke. Like that free throw contest I did against you. I was willing to give and take. Which I won, but I did. Did you? I haven't seen Oh, anything. yes, I did. I haven't fucker. seen anything. I haven't seen any proof. Uh, all right. Well, that is it for us today. BC, any final thoughts? Uh, look, JP and our fantastic, uh, I don't want to call them fans because that's weird, Luke. They're like family members, right? They're A little like bit. Coexisters. They're people who are walking through this world, the ups and downs, the growth of men, and even sometimes women. We're walking with you guys, okay? I mean, they pay us well to walk with them, but still, you know, we're walking with you guys. This is life. Things happen. Friends fight sometimes. Because maybe one person wronged the other. Okay, can you stop with this nonsense, please?